Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Everybody and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Zachary Adamizenheimer. And we're back to talk about another veritable feast of football. We're going to be talking Canadian Championship. We're going to be talking MLS. We're going to bring you some audio from the historic back-to-back victories from the Whitecaps in midweek. A fun wavelength, some music. But let's start things off this week, Zach, but just chatting a little bit about the week in football. Because there's been some interesting games to talk about, some of which you'll have seen, some of which you won't have seen. Now, we're going to talk about the Canadian national team in the fourth part of the show tonight. So, one of the guys that's been called into that squad is former CPLer Victor Latoury, mm. who is now playing with his brother over in Ross County, although his, his brother, William Macchio, has been injured and has missed most of the season. But I meant to send you this, I never got around to it, so... I'm taking it you didn't see the highlights of Ross County Partick Thistle in no. the Premier promotion the relegation I, thing. I, I remember you telling me that he was going to be in that, but yeah, no, I didn't. Yeah, so the first leg, which was done before we recorded the last show, Partick Thistle won that at home 3-0, could easily have won it more. Uh, Ross County got a guy sent off in the first half, and basically it looked like they were doomed. So they pulled a goal back after Partick Thistle had several chances in the second leg. Then they scored two goals in a minute to make it 3 all, And then almost snatched it in stoppage time. Game went to penalties. Ross County won and Victor Latoury has been involved in one hell of a match. Which... John Herdman, I mean, if anyone listened to our extra podcast that we had out midweek where we had the full conference call, John Herdman was talking about players like him and Dominic Zator and how they've been involved in kind of relegation Mm -hmm. battles and didn't seem to really feel that that's the kind of battles that he wants his players in. But I think you learn so much from something like that about overcoming adversity. Yeah, it is a unique experience for sure. Yeah. Yeah, obviously, I think in saying that he wants his players 
battling at the other end of the table, which he also has some of those, obviously. Well, yeah, I mean, he, he clearly wants his guys playing for the, the top teams in the top leagues, and I'm not sure uh, Scottish Premier League relegation battles quite what he had in mind, but I hope to catch up with, with Victor over the summer, get him on the show and just have a chat about how his move there has gone, how he found that relegation battle, but that, that was one of the interesting things I watched over the last week. Now, we recorded the show last Saturday night and I hadn't had a chance to watch the A-League final. So I managed to watch that. I'd avoided the result. So I watched it, I think Monday. I, I watched it in full on YouTube. One word for you, Zach. Come dog. I can't remember why you mentioned this before, but... Jason Cummings, that's his nickname. The come right, dog. Right. And do you know what's even better? This was his last game for Central Coast Mariners because he's now making the move to play in India. So he's got a new nickname, Come Dog Millionaire. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. He scored a hat-trick in the final as Central Coast Mariners thrashed Man City Light, Australian version 6-1. Oh, it was wonderful to watch. And if anyone hasn't, you can see the full match on YouTube it's on a channel called Keep Up. Uh, very apt for somebody called Come Dog. But it's also got extended highlights as well. But really, it's worthwhile taking that in. So, I mean, that was another good thing. I'm taking it you, you did watch the Champions League final today, talking about not Man City light, but Man City hopefully soon to get all their titles stripped away because of the investigations into financial wrongdoings. City. Yeah, yeah. I actually did. I did watch it. I, I wasn't going to, but um, my son kind of wanted to watch it, so we 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 put it on. We watched it today. I did watch actually, the first half live. I first fast forwarded through it, and I got up to the sixty fifth minute mark when I started to watch it live, which was good timing because that seemed yeah, to be the you. best bit of the game. Yeah, it was actually. It was a. It wasn't like an like the greatest game of football ever for sure, but. It was a it was an interesting match. I, I think thought Inter did really really well and were unfortunate not to you know find the back of the net or perhaps mm. even do, do better. Man City obviously has quality to you know quality for days. <laughs> um, yeah. And and, and it, it kind of felt though. Coach. I mean, like you watched the whole game, but from yeah. the bits that I saw from fast forward and through and then live. It kind of felt that Inter only really started playing once they went a goal down. No, I I'd say that's a bit unfair, Michael, because okay. they were really they didn't create tons, obviously, going forward, um, but they they did really well. I, I thought being so solid and yeah, if I remember the first half rightly, like yeah, they did create some like respectable half chances and put City under pressure. I mean. Um, Ederson did not have a great game. There was like, I think, at least three times where in his passing he gave the ball away, including a chance where uh, uh, was it uh, Barella shot first time and uh, into it, towards what was an empty net from like 25-ish yards out, and he didn't quite hit it sweet enough, and it just went you know well wide. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, I th- I thought Inter. I thought Inter the Inter won't be um, uh, like disappointed with their performance on the whole. Mm-hmm. Aside which, from which is what we've talked about before, when you're in a cup final, the one thing you want to come away is feeling that you've at yeah. least 
giving it your best. The uh, DeMarco's header onto the bar was quite unfortunate, but even worse was his, I think it was his putback on the, on the, on the header off the bar where, oh. where unfortunately hit Lukaku's leg. Yes. I mean, yeah. When I first saw it, I was like, oh man, his own guy's blocked. But then you see it back, it's like, oh, it's a horrible shot. It's like, well, but e even if Lukaku hadn't been there, it's just going to trickle through to the keeper, I think. Or they're more likely to the defender, but yeah, we were talking about both Kirk, like Kirk and I were talking about it, and I was Kirk's like, oh, you know, why didn't he like power both either of them? Why didn't he power it towards the corner? And I was like, look, the ball had, had been bouncing; there was not a lot of power to give there. So the looping one on, on the initial one seemed like a wise decision. Yeah, and the second one he had, no, I don't think he had anything else he could do but just kind of get all the power he could and, and put yeah. it forward. And then of course the big, the big, the bigger one or a similar, you know, big talking point for Inter was. That you know that nice ball into the back post where the German Robin Gosens rises above, puts a, a a really good header across goal, and Lukaku puts it right into Ederson's leg, which was um, quite quite unfortunate. Yeah, it, it's kind of crazy to think that is Man City's first Champions League with the money that they spent over the years and being in the final. And I, I was always hoping they were never going to win it. Because I yeah. do think it's a Same. bad, bad thing for football to to have teams like that win it. And that said, if you look at the Europa League final, the Conference League final, this three Italian teams in all the finals, it's like, is this a resurgence in, in Italian football? Yeah. Are we seeing like the German and the Spanish teams kind of dropping off a little bit? Yeah, definitely resurges in the Italian teams. I'm a, you know, had a friend at the the Conference League final and, and didn't enjoy the result. Was it Vanny? Oh no, no, no. Yeah, uh, you you won't have seen this because they haven't put the the video up. But Vanny came in after the win on Wednesday, happy obviously with his Fiorentina scarf, and then he just looked at me and then put it down the counter. Because the day before, I'd asked him on the call, I was like, said, I'm a West Ham fan. Oh. So we had a bit of banter. Um, and I said, oh, I should have brought my West Ham scarf. And he's like, there was too many people wearing West Ham strips for my liking in the crowd tonight. And they went, oh, Michael, come, give me a hug. And he came down, gave me a hug, and <laughs> then started his press conference. And then all during the press conference, I'm like, I smell beer. And realised oh. I'd hugged a very wet Vanny Sartini that had obviously had a beer shower, and I, all I could smell was like beer on me. I thought I thought he I thought his favorite team was uh, he's not Fiorentina's not his number one, right? Yeah, he's from Florence. Oh, I thought for some reason there was his other team he liked. No, no, he went to watch oh, okay. him as a as a kid. Oh, that's nice for him. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. I it was a it was a weird day, Michael, because Wednesday I was uh, out picking up some things for work. And I was at the the Costco in, in Abbotsford, and there was a dude wearing a West Ham jersey, and I was just like, "Oh my!" See, the only West Ham gear I have now is a a winter jacket, scarves, and I thought for the temperature that it was on Wednesday, neither of yeah. those really seemed appropriate to turn up in. No, um, I got rid of all my West Ham. I didn't bring my West Ham strips with me. I sold some of them on eBay when I moved to over because I had some from uh, the early 80s and the late 80s that were worth a little bit of money so that that was disappointing but, but no it was it was a, a, apparently Prague, Prague was what you would expect it it was crazy it was uh, 
it was like an infestation. Like they were, like West Ham fans were everywhere, throwing bottles probably at the heads no, of people. And... No, no, because yeah, no. The my friend said the, the no, they were they were quite well behaved. Yeah, yeah, maybe a little bit surprising, but no, it was. Oh, yeah, I thought. Oh, I thought Fiorentina acquitted themselves well in terms of their their supporters. Their their support in the stadium seemed good, but yeah, it was a good game. I, I yeah, enjoyed it was the a pretty good round, game. and I, I think it was. For me, obviously slightly biased as a West Ham fan, the, the best of the three European finals, I, I felt, just in terms of excitement. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, because the Champions League was kind of tense, whereas Europa League was a little more loose. Yeah, that's, so, that's the know. problem I have, or one of the problems I have with the Champions League, aside from the fact it's not always champions that are in it. Uh, of course, now we're going to have the Champions Cup here. That's yeah. going to be interesting as well. But anyway... Um, is because there's so much at stake money-wise, it just makes these games so edgy now. It, it's like the the championship playoff to get into the Premier League because it can be worth a couple of hundred million to the team that wins it that it's a bit tenser than it, it should be because there's so much at stake. And uh, last... have, you, have, you, have you read the... There, there was an article in The Guardian. Uh, I'll just look up the title here uh, for you. Uh, hang on, I got it right here. Yeah, there it is. Uh, the article of The Guardian. The dismal story of modern football can be summed up in two words. Manchester oh. City. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I haven't read it yet, but... That's fairly true, I think. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what happens, though, over this summer with this whole points deduction that some folk are pushing for that probably isn't going to happen and all the irregularities and will it come to anything? It's... It taints it. Asterisk, I think they should have beside their name. If there's any Man City fans listening, let us know what you think. Yeah, I haven't read the article yet. I need to read it, but it, uh, yeah. It's, Last uh, little bit of football before we get talking about Whitecap stuff. Because I know you haven't been watching it because you were missing it and you weren't sure it was on and stuff. Have you seen any of the Under-20 World Cup? Oh, yeah, yeah. Ah. Uh, I, I, just a little bit. I have the PVR set up for tomorrow's, both the games. Uh, did you watch the semis? No, but I know obviously I know. The oh, result. you know who won, right? Okay, yeah. I didn't. I didn't want to say anything if you hadn't yeah. watched it. You were going to watch it. There were there were two two good semis. The the Italy South Korea semi. I really enjoyed that one. The Uruguay Israel one wasn't no that great, but I, f I fully watched uh, the quarterfinal. Was it Italy Colombia? Yeah, I watched all of that game. See, I missed the quarterfinals because I forgot to PVR them. Right. But I did remember to PVR the because I got my days wrong and I'd looked and it wasn't on, not knowing like it was weird having the semis on a Thursday as well. Yeah, usually they're Wednesday. Yeah. Um it, uh, yeah. It's been, a, it's been a good tournament. It's Italy, maybe not Italy, had the Italy Uruguay, I think, will be a good final. Yeah. And, and it's obviously been a great tournament for Israel. Yeah. We are, um, we're recording this on Saturday night, so we'll, yeah, we don't we'll know. touch on that. This might come out after it's been played, but we'll we'll touch on that in the next show. But let's keep talking about cups because in this part, yeah, enough of the appetizers, enough of the appetizers and, yeah. the and the salads. Come on, Michael. Let's get to the meat and the potatoes. <laughs> back to back, baby. For the first time in their history, Vancouver Whitecaps have lifted back to back Voyagers Cups, two one win over Montreal on Wednesday night. Comfortable for 80 minutes, if a bit frustrated at times. 
Then squeaky bum time for probably seven minutes plus the stoppage time as Montreal just threw everything at them. And I really thought they were they were going to get back into it. We'll get into all of that. We're not going to break down the game fully. But just what, what was your initial general thoughts just off the win and the, the Caps going back to back? Yeah, I mean, first off, congratulations to them, uh, to their fans. Uh, for two years in a row, they, they've created this very special occasion uh, that resulted in, in the lifting of silverware. And so regardless of how, of the ups and downs, of the excitement or the frustration, um, once again, there will be a season where the all their their fans and supporters will be able to look back to this incredibly special and meaningful moment where uh, the organization achieved, uh, yeah, uh, you know, extended their history. And like you said, mm-hmm. for the first time, you know, made history for the first time for them in terms of going back to back in the competition. So, so kudos to them. And again, um, uh, you know, the 20,000, just over 20,000 that were in the stadium. Again, a good crowd. Everyone I know who's there, Said they had an amazing time. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, the um, the atmosphere was fantastic. Just over twenty thousand there, so less th- than last year. Well, I was going to ask you one question about that. Did you think? And again, this is not a criticism, but do you think uh, it like the four thousand ish difference is could be just simply chalked up to like no big Italian players being coming? Yes, I yeah, I, yeah. I think Montreal. Are just not as big a draw as Toronto. Yeah. Because there, there's always Toronto fans that come out to these games. They used to have a little section. Um, but yes, when you've got Italian players the Italians want to see and maybe get something signed by. Yeah. Yeah. They, I think, well, I think, out. yeah, I think if they, it was, you know, the, the era where they had a Nesta or, or like in a different case, a Drogba. I think it could, it could have yeah. been a bigger, bigger draw. They just don't have that kind yeah. of player. Like what, when Yama's not, a huge draw to to many people. Did, did, did you see many Tottenham kids there? I, I didn't, funnily enough. <laughs> um, wasn't looking to be fair. No. There were a couple of Tottenham fans in the in the press box, and like Nathan Durick, Felipe, he's a Tottenham fan. Oh, yeah. I don't know why. Origin uh, Tottenham involved yeah. with AFTN since he's a Tottenham <laughs> fan. West <laughs> Ham's arch enemies, but. Another reason I think you could say it's lower. This was June as opposed to August, so the oh, schools yeah, are still yeah. in. So totally. I mean, there there is yeah. that as well. A very, that's a very significant factor. Yeah, yeah. but I, I mean, again, I thought the Whitecaps did a fantastic job marketing this game. We talked about it last week. It's it's great that they're doing this stuff. It's great that they're getting the the crowds in. I will say it's sad that they have to do so much work, but they've done so much wrong over the years that they have to build this goodwill back up and they have to build the fan base back up and to their credit they've been doing that fantastically and jumping ahead to to part three when we look at the Cincinnati game but I was curious what the drop-off was going to be because it was obviously going to be a drop-off because Cincinnati's not exactly a huge draw yeah um I mean I looked at the roster before the game and I was like if I was a neutral there's nobody in that team I'd be, oh, I'm excited to go and see him play. Luciano Acosta? No. Uh, no, not, not for me anyway, but... No, I, no, not for me either, but in terms of like a, a neutral, a person just saying which players are exciting, 
knowing who he is and what he's done in, in even just in MLS, I think. Yeah, but that, that that's, this is then part of the issue, which is folk won't have seen what he's done in MLS. No, I'm not talking about this year. I'm talking about, yeah, I'm talking about previous years. Ah, right. Because the like, games aren't really on TV at all here, so... Yeah, no, I'm thinking more of some of his heroics at DC United. Yeah, but I mean, even back then, I don't think their games were really shown tons here. You, yeah. You'd have to really but go he, and dig he, out he, to have seen him. You just had some of those big highlight moments, right? Remember that assist yeah. that Rooney gave him that one time? Where, like, Rooney ran back half the field and put it, it was like a like a last gas winner or equalizer. Oh! I'm pretty sure that was him. I was going to say, no, I don't remember that, but I remember that goal, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure that was it. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. That's, that's jumping ahead. Back back to the, the Voyagers Cup. I mean, it, it, it was a great atmosphere. I spoke last year about it was one of the the best footballing nights that, that I've had going to games because we got to go down to pitch level for right. the, yeah, I saw, I saw the penalties or the final whistle or whatever last year. So that was exciting. So we, we got to do the same again this year. And it, it was still very exciting. It was a great atmosphere. It wasn't as exciting as last year. Because, because I think last year, because of the weight, and then because we've just done it last year yeah. and stuff again. But to be down, because we, we've got told, oh, let's go down about the 85th minute. So everyone's getting ready when they score to make it 2-1. And it's like, well, you can stay up and watch the rest of the game up here or you can go down and, and watch the end. So a few of us went down, a few stayed. So I was right at pitch level at that side where Montreal yeah. were shooting for those late chances. Yeah. And when you're down at that level, that close, it's like, oh, holy shit. Yeah, Will Johnson. I was Yes, I was having those flashbacks too. I, I was behind the bench for the Will Johnson goal. Oh, I just remember I with that because Lord Bob had to come out with the Voyagers Cup and present it all yeah. sad and oh that would have been terrible. Well, no, 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 that wasn't that year. Well, that wasn't. Was that not? That was the 2013 one, I think. Oh, that was. I think the the one the Will Johnson, I think, was 2016. Oh, it's been so much heartache. It's hard to to remember yeah, them all. That, that was the the one Squiz was there, and I said, "Squiz, come down just in case, just in case." And so instead of me presenting it, I was like, yeah, Squiz, you should go do it. Yeah. <laughs> but see when you're down on the pitch, because folk have said, oh, the atmosphere, and I, I've been guilty for this as well. I've said the atmosphere at BC Play sometimes lacks what you get elsewhere in MLS. The noise and everything at pitch level, um, in the lead up to the final whistle, after the final whistle, to actually experience it at that level puts it in a whole different perspective. Oh, yeah. And what you may be getting up in the press box or the other side of the stadium or watching yeah. on TV. The noise or, or was even, incredible. Or, or, yeah, BC Place is a weird place because even around the corner sometimes you don't, mm. you don't it's not the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But to have it like fully in your face was just oh, yeah. amazing. There, there was a bit after the game as well because we were behind a barrier before they would let us into what was yeah. the, the mixed zone. Um, so it was beside the, the pitch side bits where families were and, and stuff. So Vanny's wife you, was in there. Yeah, so that I, was, I, 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 you I had took a video, the video yeah. of him hugging. But what I didn't get was he ran past us, slid on his knees under the barrier to get to her. It was fantastic. <laughs> Just oh. the, the sheer joy and everything about it. But, but we'll get to the celebrations in a sec. 
the first half, as I say, we're not going to totally break the game down because a few days have passed since then. I, I do want to talk about a couple of things. And one of them, we've got to talk about Jonathan Sirwa, oh, who yeah. was phenomenal. Yeah. Now, I missed the first 20 minutes of the game oh, right. because yeah. I was commentating Cause... in North Van on the Altitude women's game. And I thought, ah, it'll probably start maybe 10 past seven or something. And the traffic won't be too bad at that time when I get away. It wasn't from North Van. Getting across the city, the traffic wasn't great. So the time I did that and parked and then walked and got to the stadium, I'd missed the first 20 minutes, but I listened to a lot of it on the radio. Mm -hmm. And it it was killing me because the the excitement of uh, Blake and Colin calling it and like just talking up Sir Was saves and stuff. And I'm like, oh, I've got to see these. These sound spectacular. And then you see them back and it's like, holy shit. That leg save and just... And the, leg, the leg save is, yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. And yeah. you're thinking, oh no, is it going to be one of these nights? Is it going to... Yeah. You've gone up against a goalkeeper that's playing out of his skin and he's just going to deal with everything. I, I thought Levante Johnson in that first half was excellent. Mm-hmm. They had talked on the radio in the build-up to it that, oh, he's probably going to be a little bit nervous in the early going. His cup final and starting and stuff. He showed nothing like that. He was just confident from the word go. Looked like he belonged. I spoke last week on the show that from watching him in the twos, he's got the skill set that no other player in the Whitecaps right now has. And he showed it on Wednesday night. The little flashes, the touches, the runs. And he was causing Montreal problems because also he's the kind of player that not a lot of teams go up against because there's not a lot of players that bring that young, youthful exuberance to too many teams. There are some, obviously, in MLS that have that. So I thought he was excellent. But Julian Gressel, once again, I mean, he, he was player of the tournament, is what they give, but he was man of the match by a mile for me. Again, his delivery, his football IQ to be in the right place and to do the stuff. That first half in particular, again, I just thought he showed how important he is to this team and that he needs to be rewarded accordingly. Yeah, I, well, we've talked a bunch yeah. about it. The, the going into his free agent year, uh, the, uh, his performances this year, and, and also, you know, uh, his uh, previous uh, months with the Caps, you know, show that he is worth what they're paying him and uh now likely uh worth a a, a valid raise um but, but but yeah he yeah he's been a player that when they when they got him like you're you're wondering how much he would be able to elevate the team mm-hmm. on you know on his own and obviously they've added other pieces since then like kubas and whatever but um yeah he, he yeah kudos to him for his uh his role in this tournament and his role to just to elevate the side as a whole, especially again, playing from what I would argue is not his most ideal pos- position. Yeah, but he, he's it's working. Really it's working to Vandy's it. yeah. credit. I mean, it, it's been fantastic. I mean, I I doubted it. I'll put my hands up. I was like, mm. but yeah, I mean, he just he's taking it to like a duck to water. But it was goalless at halftime. I was still fairly confident the the Caps were going to get the job done. Then, 57th minute, it goes to 1-0. And when you're a goalkeeper, 
you can go from hero to zero in the blink of an eye. It's, I mean, I, I feel for Serva in this. If there had been VAR, would yeah, they have said he was maybe interfered with? I don't think so, but you made a face there and I thought, is that what you're thinking? Well, well, yeah, because there's no VAR, I have no problem that the, the goal was allowed. If there was VAR, yeah, I just wondered a little bit. I just wondered your thoughts. Is it one of those plays where if, because he sort of like, as he's going, he doesn't he like sort of kick white? Yeah. And so I could see... I can see some places in the world them giving that as a free kick to the keeper, but again, based on the, how the competition set up, I don't think I don't think uh, Montreal can feel that hard done by because I don't think in real time I don't think the ref or the referee's assistant was going to be able to really see that. No, even watching it back, because uh, I thought, hmm, one of the times, and then I watched it again, I was like, no, I think. White does knock away. There is a coming together between the two of them. I, mm. I think there's definitely contact. Yeah. And I don't know who instigated it, who was and, at and, fault. And I haven't looked around, but like some, this would be maybe a place to hear from a referee in terms of like, yeah. Because, it, yeah, is it is it like indirect free kick for impeding someone in their kicking motion or, you know, whatever, like coming into, the, into their kicking, into their whatever, the space as they're kicking? So that you, they kick you, they kick you or yeah whatever. Hmm. What but, I would say is like Serwa had to come off his line to get to the ball. And I think so, he I think he knew why it was there, and I think that put him off, right? Yeah, and yeah, the problem was he'd come too far that he couldn't handle it. So all yeah. we could do was try and get some part of his body on it to kick it away. After that, White did everything right. Yeah, control to bring it down, and then just slotted it home. And again, it was another great ball forward from Gressel that, yeah. that set and, and that to, up. And, and to me, you should talk about zero to here. I don't, to me, it doesn't. I mean, for him emotionally, it might, but I, I don't think it takes away from what Zero uh, did in the game, right? Oh, I think, no. I was just kind of being a little bit dramatic with, with right. that, but because, yeah. Because to me, his story is a, a good story for Canadian football. Mm -hmm. His loans, I think multiple loans, if I remember correctly, to, to Valor in, in the Canadian Premier League are where the game is at in our country and how it can grow and how it can get better. You had a, a a player playing in an MLS team where he wasn't going to get minutes in a in a key position. There was an opportunity for him to go on loan and he became, you know, vital, a linchpin to his team's, you know, ability to win games and got incredible experience. And now he's using that experience uh to help the uh, the team that he came from and and to, and to push them on and to push himself on and yeah, it's a bit of the Things I think working in a in a very positive way. It it was an interesting performance as well. The day that a Canadian squad came out, and he wasn't down as the third keeper. Yeah, it's a guy that I had to look up. Who the hell's Tom McGill? Yeah, who is that? Who is that guy? He's a he's a reserve for Brighton. Yeah, that's why. Okay. And I it's guess enough. the third keeper is unlikely to play, so it's a chance to get them involved in the squad. That's true. Sirwa probably will feature in the Gold Cup squad. Mm. Right. I would hope. I think that performance on Wednesday night has probably put him certainly in that picture because I'm not sure that Borian's going to be part of that. Because last year it was, uh, or last time we were in Kripal, was the, the Gold Cup yeah. keeper. So... 
yeah, we'll, we'll see. We're again jumping ahead to part four. So that was 1 0 Whitecaps, 66th minute, 2 0. No, no doubts in my mind at all that this was a penalty as Ryan Gold gets kicked in an unfortunate place. Yeah. That, I mean, again, it, it was a, a really bad challenge, but Hamdi just didn't know much about it. He just turned around, his eye was on the ball. Yeah, he kicked and it, and then all of a sudden... Gold had nicked gold. in so quick, and it's yeah. like, bang. When I first saw it, because Gold was way outside the box when he fell, I was like, how's that a penalty? And then you see it, and it's like, oh yeah, it is in the box. How did he end up so far out of the box? That was some kick he got. Yeah. But then, and they dust himself off. Yeah, still made sure he had two, and took the kick. And he said afterwards, he was asked about that. He's like, eh, the day before the game, I always make my mind up where I'm putting the penalty. So if we get a penalty, that's where it's going. I don't have to oh, think about it. That's awesome. I, I know exactly what I'm doing, and that's what he did. And it was two 0 And by that point, I was like, okay, that's that's it done and dusted. This could finish. I think I think most people in the stadium thought that. Yeah. yeah. This is I, think done. The, I think the Whitecaps did as well because we'll hear from Vanny in the next part. But one of the things he says is, once again, the basically I'll paraphrase. They didn't show that killer instinct to put the game to bed. Mm-hmm. They basically thought, okay, that's it done, and didn't go get the killer third that definitely would have put it to bed. And they've allowed the opposition back into it. Now, the goal from Ibrahim. He took it well. I think you can certainly point fingers at the defensive play. Because yeah. he had three players around him and no one was near him. And he just had time to compose himself and slot it into the, the far corner. And then after that, obviously the nerves played a little bit as well. Montreal turning the, the pressure up really for the first time in the game. And they had some chances. And Takaoka had that stunning save that Vanny said was something like a 7th century samurai getting up to, to turn it away. Um, it, was, it was a quality save. Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably now in the lead for me as Whitecaps save of the year oh, in yeah. our end of season it, awards just because of the I, magnitude of it. Yeah, I think it has to be for the quality and like yeah, the, the occasion for sure. Mm. And then last gasp thing. And afterwards, they talked to Ryan. I think it was Ryan Gold spoke afterwards. It was very reminiscent of that game against Seattle where they had to win to get in the playoffs and then Seattle had that chance at the death that gets blocked two years ago. No, so no, th- yeah. This was similar because Brown yeah, huge. got one hell of a blocking. Yeah. I mean... If, if we have a new award of block of the year, I think I'll give it to him for that. And I'm pleased for Javain as well, because he's had a bit of an up and down season. Mm-hmm. And folk have criticised some of his defensive play. He was great in this whole game. And that, he just put his body on the line. How did you feel, though, like in the in the time added on? They, they had chances to either take the ball on the corner flag and hold it or, yes. or, or score. And then they, they kind of didn't, which then led to at least one or, well, one or two. Yes, of the, like, because there, were, there was one break and they had three guys going forward and the ball's played inside to Cordova, yeah. who is pointing at the other player that he should get the ball. And I was on oh, the yeah, sideline going, stop pointing and get the bloody ball. <laughs> Maybe didn't say bloody. 
Um, but they were kids about, so let's just pretend I said bloody. But oh, I was like losing it because it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and then it's a turnover, and they go up the pitch. But it all came good in the end. Yeah, and yeah, the the Whitecaps won again. So Tom got a good photo there at the final whistle. Oh. Right? Tom got some fantastic pictures, as did Caroline, our other photographer, Frog Photo. Check oh, yeah. her out on her Flickr page. Absolutely stunning picture she got of Brian White celebrating his goal. You just, just captures the emotion so much. I actually meant to put out my favourite four pictures after it, and I never got around to it because I work and stuff. But the photo that Tom got of the champions... He's got it with all the fireworks going off. And I've seen others and they don't have the fireworks going off. He's got the best photo of that trophy presentation. Um, and it's a good photo of the block and everything as well. And yeah, uh, the two of them did a fantastic job capturing that. And of course, someone else that's done a fantastic job in this tournament is Vanni Sartini. Undefeated in the tournament as a Whitecaps manager. Two cup wins, a playoff berth. Can we officially say, at this point in time, he is the best Whitecaps manager in their MLS era? That's a that's a really a really interesting question. Because um, Robo two playoff appearances, one Voyagers Cup. Yeah, but he had more Cascadia Cups, which I know you don't rate as highly, which is fair. I I did but, used to, but yeah. I th- I I stopped because there was too much emphasis getting put on that when they weren't winning other stuff. Yeah, yeah. So that took the um, shine off it a little bit for me, but yeah. So yeah, in some ways, obviously, yeah, because he has two, you know, two Voyagers Cups. Um, yeah, it, it is really interesting. I think, he, I, I still think. See, it wasn't till near like the end that I think Robbo kind of lost people in the media with his uh, whatever analysis of the players or whatever, like his public analysis of the players um, and, and whatnot uh, and their performances. Whereas I think with Vanny, it feels like almost maybe not that first run where he went on that crazy run when he first took, took over in the interim. Um, but in both these two seasons, I think he hasn't, even with the successes he's achieved, I, I think there's a significant amount of the media and the fan base that still question how he's setting up the team and using them despite yeah. their successes. You know what I mean? Yeah. That it's it's hard to it's hard to it's hard to say, oh yeah, for sure he's the best in the MLS. Although, like you said, statistically, in one sense he is. So I mean he good. he's he made it clear on Wednesday that he wants to be here next year. He wants to be the head coach next oh, year. Oh yeah, yeah. And by by winning this, it's like I would imagine they will offer him a new deal. I would also think they'll probably do it this summer just to stop any questions arising and get that done. That in itself is risky because you could then yeah. have a disastrous second half of the year, I know, because I saw yeah. your face there when I suggested that. But I, I just think it's better to get that yeah. done and take away any uncertainties. Yeah. I think, too, that... I know for for some people, I think you might have said this once or twice before. They appreciate his uh, what should we call them antics? 
his, yes. his, his emotion. Oh, yeah, because, mode. I mean, we'll hear in the next part his press conference, and there were some hilarious lines in there. Yeah. I heard again this week from someone who, uh, you know, from within the game who just – uh, who just feels that it's it's not how? Yeah, I know people don't like it, and fans of other yeah. teams don't, because some of the the Discord channels and forums I read think he's a clown, and they don't like it. Yeah, I, I, I like someone, it. someone used someone used that uh, that word with me this week. Maybe it's, maybe that's that person with a burner account on the Discord channel. But like, I th- I think the game lacks personalities nowadays especially it, players it's like there's so few players that you think oh they've got like Fonzie's great because he's got a great personality that comes across in all his social media and his twitch channels yeah. and stuff and like just using him as an example but so many players they're just so straight laced they're so focused boring almost even the other end of it where they're getting arrested for various things over in England, but you don't want that either. But no. you do want players with personalities, yeah. and in particular, managers with personalities. Yeah, and just to be clear, this is not like this is not the person who said this to me is not a like it's not a Vancouver FC person. This is a very much a Whitecaps person. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I know there's a, definitely a mix, some mixed feelings about him and his approach. But like you said, you in one sense you can't argue with the results. I know I have a few friends who have been talking lately about, you know, you can say what you want about all the off-field stuff or how you feel about the coach or whatever tactics or whatever, but, you know, BC Place has been actually quite a great place to be at this year, mm-hmm. both in terms of results and in terms of just pure enjoyment. Well, they've they've put up the, the goals, they've gone on, they've, like, set records. Mm-hmm. It's all we can ask for. And, mm-hmm. like, Axel's made it very clear he knows the club have to be better and they have to win the fans back and part of that is to have a team on the pitch that people want to come along and watch and people will have left on Wednesday night and I'm sure there's some people that were there on Wednesday that maybe had no plans on going on Saturday and they thought I've enjoyed that I'm going to go again on Saturday mm-hmm. and that, the, it's, it's the, small small steps for the club right now the difficulty for the for the, the organization on, on that front though is that also this the game today was the fourth home game in what like 10 days or something yeah which is also you know, now they've got none until I think the 8th of July yeah, yeah so the the schedule is, is weird always, this always year. bad always bad always bad in one sense or another yeah yeah because then they've got the league's cup where after the leon game they might not have any games until the end of september so yeah, which is you're just starting to build up a fan base yeah and then it can go away and if you're in a bad run of results remember, this happened remember, with fc edmonton right in this in the cpl where it was like they won that they won that that or they had that great game with their biggest crowd of the year that i was at with that edmonton game beginning of july they're like yeah come back August 28th is our next home game. <laughs> Six weeks later or whatever it was. It was, it was crazy. I, know. I mean, that that is a genuine worry. We're, we're going to speak to to Axel kind of over the summer for like half yearly thing that we like to do with him. But that that is a thing because a lot of these games as well away from home won't be on TV because they're just going to be an Apple. Yeah. So it's like, how do you keep the, the interest in the club going, especially for the more casual fan? The ones that don't have fan packs, the ones that don't have season tickets, but that that that's something to talk about another day. Yeah. 
We've been talking about Vanny. We're going to hear from him in the next part. And we'll be back with that and some other audio after this. Hi, I'm Vanny Sartini and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our Artist of the Month here at AFTN for the month of June, from Ireland, Therapy. And that is their first single, taken from their 16th studio album, Hard Cold Fire, which was released on May 5th this year. So, last show... When we kicked things off, we played a couple of songs from their first and second studio albums. So we've brought it right up to date now with their 16th one from 2023. And that song was called Joy. And the the lyrics in this is, Nothing seems to make you happy. Nothing seems to bring you joy. No joy. No joy. Well, if you're a Whitecaps fan, that's not true. Because nothing more could have brought you joy than a cup win on Wednesday night. We talked a little bit about it in the first part. We're going to bring you some audio for most of, of this part. It hasn't really been put up anywhere. A couple of the little bits were put up on the Whitecaps website, but not on their social media for some strange reason. Um, so we're going to hear from Fanny Sartini. We're going to hear from Ryan Gold a little bit. We're going to hear from Julian Gressel, which we captured on the pitch afterwards. That hasn't been up anywhere. And then we'll also hear from Hernan Lasada, the FC Montreal coach. But we're going to kick things off with the man of the hour, Vanni Sartini. Cock a hoop. After his back-to-back cup wins, here's the gaffer. So Vanni... Back-to-back, still unbeaten in this competition. I know it probably hasn't fully sunk in yet, but just what emotions are going through you just now, especially with that late comeback from Montreal? Yeah, you know. uh, So, first of all, we're over the moon for the happiness of winning the trophy again. It's the first time that uh, it happened to this club, so it's like uh, we are... We are very happy. I'm very happy for everyone, for all the players, all the people that work here, all the fans. We are. Uh, uh, I told them before the game. I 
I'm proud to work with them and to and to share this uh, this journey with them because they're, 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 they inspire me every day on the way that they want to work and the way that they want to improve as uh, everyone, from the player to the kit manager to the performance staff to, uh, to the analyst, everyone. So I'm so happy that we won. The other thing is that uh, I'm also very happy on how we played for 80 minutes. I think for 80 minutes is like, I don't know, uh, the headline today would be, okay, Messi's coming, but the White Cats play even better than Messi. That's, uh, that's, uh, it's, so is 80 minutes was, were fantastic. Uh, uh, Jonathan was, uh, was uh, the best player on the field by far, and uh, it was the only one who kept them in the game. And uh, then we did a thing that we're doing too much. So we're not mature enough to manage those situations. We become a little bit, uh, I don't know, sometimes like we did a very stupid thing. We considered the goal that it's, it's like we went against our principle. The two center back, they step forward with a long ball behind, and then we play the ball in behind and score. And then it becomes 15 minutes of uh, us uh, being scared. Basically, that's what happened. They kicked the ball along, being, being scared, and everything can happen. When, when the, and you see, they had a very big chance. You hated something like, I don't know, maybe like, uh, I don't know, seventh century samurai that do like this. <laughs> but it's okay. And, uh, and, uh, and at the end, it was very, very scary. So, yeah, uh, if it means that uh, it feels even sweeter to win the cup like this, why not? But I'm happy that I think the real result should have been like 4-1 for us, to be honest. Like, easy. The first half, if we if, if the first half finished 3-0, no one can say anything. No one. You talked about what Montreal's goalkeeper, Jonathan, what he offered, especially in that first 45. Yeah. What did you say in the half to kind of just give your team that extra push? I was saying that to keep playing like this, we were playing like this, we, we were playing very well, and I saw, and I told them that every time that we had chance, it was when we were carrying the ball. So Montreal is a team that uh, if we play as football that is playing on the feet of the player, they're very dangerous because f- f- they're, phys- they're, they're, they're very f- strong, their physicality, and they, when they win the ball, boom, they go at them immediately. So what we need to do was moving like we were doing, and even more than when we had the ball, especially Javain on the right and Ryan on the left, when they had the ball to go, 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 in order to make them going back and then play. Because we were doing, I would say, uh, I would say good job, but we, we could have done better. And we kept doing it. Then I'm very happy because I said, uh, every time that Julian roll out, have the ball, Brian attack the spacing behind Camacho, you're going to score for sure. And then it happened that we scored. So... When you say like, when you do when you say like this, then the the, the the players say, oh, maybe the coach really knows his shit. So that's the thing, and uh, so that's uh, uh, it's yeah, it was very good. First goal, second goal, we should have scored the third one, but okay, so very good. One more for me. I'm just wondering, do you have the tattoo appointment already made yet? Uh, not yet. Last year I did it in December. This year is going to be very very easy. It's just uh, adding a, a, a ear underneath. And uh, I still have a lot of part of my body that is free. So there's the League Cup, there's the MLS Cup, maybe the Champions Cup now, no Champions League next year. So why not? The sky is the limit. Uh, by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm going to immediately, I'm going to make in your, uh, the, the question too. 
Why do you say next year? Yes, because I want to stay as a coach of the White Cups next year too. So that's the thing. <laughs> this is uh, a huge accomplishment for, for you guys. Um, it, it chalks off basically one of your number one goals for this season. Yep. How much of a springboard is this for the regular season? And it's going to be an ignition to 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 tell us, uh, okay, now we are in the Champions League, okay? So that's the thing, we are in the Champions Cup, sorry. Well, now we are in the Champions Cup. So the League Cup is going to be very important, but we're not, we're not going to have pressure there. Let's go all in in the MLS. Uh, we'll start probably after Cincinnati, because tonight we're going to be drunk, so that's okay. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but, uh, um, uh, yeah, that's, I think it would be a crime against, uh, ourselves a crime against football, a crime against everything if we don't make the playoff. We are a very, very good team. This year can be special. We harvested harvested less than what we uh, planned so far. This year is going to be very, very, very special. I told you, I know I told you already a lot of time, but it's going to be true. Fanny obviously won the back-to-back -back Canadian Championship trophies. Kind of a throwback to, to the start of when you came in. What does the words like Canadian Championship curse mean to you now, looking back on that a couple of years ago? Yeah, uh, I'm happy that we had the curse, because if not, I didn't get the job. <laughs> and, uh, and that's... Uh, and... Um, no, but you know, it was a very dark because I was part of not not of the loss in Victoria, but the one when we lost against the Cavalry, I was the assistant coach. So we knew that it was unacceptable. That uh, we are here to try. I think uh, it's hard to win this trophy now. I think, to be honest, this trophy now means much more than what it means 10, 12 years ago when there was three, four teams. Now you need to win three, four rounds. You need to go against CPL team that when they play against you is the is their most important game of the year. You can beat CPL team that are uh, professional teams. So uh, I'm, I'm really happy that, uh, that uh, we, we've done so well in these two years. And, uh, you know, in basketball, I'm a Chicago Bulls fan, so let's go for the three-peat next year. <laughs> I guess, Van, you kind of touched on the growth of this competition. How important is it to, to keep that growth going forward? Uh, you know, it is. It is important. It is important. I think... Uh, I want to say two things about the competition, the CSA. I don't know if there's someone for the CSA here. So, first of all, uh, more teams from League One should play. That's what I think. And uh, more teams from League One should play... And even having like the, like I think today, this year that Montreal played, that Zurivon was a fantastic. Imagine us playing a BC league, uh, a BC team it would be the, 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 the highlight of the, of the year for that, that team, maybe making a lot of money and everything. I think that, and also because the League One, I don't know the League One in Ontario and in Quebec, but the League One here is a good level. You've seen this, this season with TSS. So I think more teams from the League One should play in, the, in this competition. The second thing is that I pledge the CSA to put the 20-man bench uh, for, uh, for the Canadian Championship instead of 18 men. Because today I had to leave out two guys from the 18, that, and it was the, the most hard call 
of my season for me because to leave out like Matthias Laborda, not me, not even on the bench, when he did the quarterfinal in the same final only because you want more offensive option on the bench, is it's something that is very, very unfair. So CSA, please put at least 20 men roster for, for the for the Canadian Cup from next year. The gaffer, Vanny Sartini there. And Zach, we spoke a little bit about Vanny in the last part. Can we say he's the best Whitecaps manager in the MLS era? I looked beyond that as well. I, I wanted to look at Whitecaps Cup and Championship winners for their entire history. So obviously you've got Tony Waiters, 1979. Then there was the four CSL Championships, 88 to 91, and it was Bobby yeah. Leonard Doozy that was the manager then. Bobby also led the club to the 1990 North American Club Championship, where the CSL winners played the winners of the American Professional Soccer League. It was Maryland, finals played at Swan Guard, they won 3 2. Then it's a huge gap to 2006, Bob Lilly. Which I, 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 miss, I miss Bob Lilly. Well, the reason I had dug into this is I watched Pittsburgh Riverhounds during the week in the US oh, Open right. Cup, and he's yeah. the head coach from, for them. Yeah. And somebody, I tweeted it out, and someone replied, tell me you're watching Lily Ball without telling me that Bob Lilly's a head coach. <laughs> <laughs> it was Bob, a very defence-minded thing from yeah, Pittsburgh against Cincinnati, funnily enough. I, I know the players did not like it, but... He the the man loved to talk and coach football, like when I remember talking to him like after games or whatever, and he would just talk forever, which which again sometimes was really really great. But I, I remember the players used to say like half the training session would be him like stopping and then talking to them about the scenario. And like they're like, can we just can we just practice? I mean, he's. He's been in the game for decades now, and he's just won yeah. USL uh, Championship Manager of the Month as well for for his run with Pittsburgh. They ended up losing uh, against Cincinnati, but they, yeah. they put in a a good performance. They had a guy sent off. It was kind of all downhill for them after that. But yeah, Lily won that in two thousand six, the USL Championship, a game I listened to in my bedroom in Scotland. Yeah. Um, because I knew he was coming over, and I listened to the the commentary. It was fantastic. That was in Rochester, right? That game? Yeah, that yeah. yeah. Um, and then 2008, my first season watching the Whitecaps here, USL Championship, won at Swan Guard under Tater. Well, I, another. I have a lot of time for Tater Torreson. Yeah, he was. Uh, he he was uh, a very, very nice gentleman. Again, who I yeah appreciated the, the conversations I had with him about football and life and. Yeah, just I have a lot, a lot of time for him. That is the last championship, not cup, not Canadian championship yeah. cup. It's the last league championship, league championship that the Whitecaps yeah. have yep. won. Since then, has That's been the 15, three Voyagers 15 Cups. years ago. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but you've had the three Voyagers Cup, Robbo in 2015, and then Vanny mm. last year, and this year. So the reason I'd been thinking about this is I was like, Bobby won the CSL, so it was the Canadian Soccer League. 
Mm -hmm. So any North American league title that the Whitecaps have won, it's been a non-Canadian coach. And the three Voyagers Cup wins, it's a non-Canadian coach. And I don't know if that means anything, but it's just, I just find that quite interesting. Like, Bobby's been the only Canadian coach to win any silverware with the, the, the Whitecaps. I mean, I guess you could say he won the North American Club Championship, so maybe I'm doing him a disservice, because that, that was the winner's take-all against Canadian and American thing. But, yeah, it's just... Because there's always been so much about Canadian coaches don't get their chances. Yeah, but they don't. Yeah, they haven't got their chances. I mean, I, I don't really count in the some of the interim, the one interim I can think of, or two. Oh no, uh, yeah. See, there's some where they were from somewhere else, but they also had Canadians in citizenship. Um, but they didn't win championships, so whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah, you don't think of the Whitecaps uh, first team and Canadian coaches. Th those, no. I guess this, oh, there was Mark DeSantis too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Quickly moving on. <laughs> I also, I also want to say, obviously, I, those who listen to the podcast know I have a strong appreciation for Carl Robinson as a person and as yeah, a coach, I, I, I do as well, and I do feel just because of the way that he left, his era here is not valued the way it should be. Yeah, because what he would, did with the club was fantastic. Yeah, I concur. He, again, someone I uh, I really enjoyed talking football, all aspects of football with and and life. And uh, yeah, I really I, I I miss him because he was more so than all, all the others. He was someone who um, was really open and willing to have difficult discussions about the harder, the harder things yeah. and, and took, and took the questions about the harder things as well. And took yep. them in stride without offense. And, um, I mean, yeah. we, and we, as in like the podcast had a fantastic relationship with Robo. Mm -hmm. Uh, it soured in his last season because of, uh, an incident with myself and Martin Pert, where he took offense at something I said and Robo kind of took his side cause I think he had to. But me and him had a clear in the air thing, and it was it was all fine after that. But we've never spoken since he left. You which shouldn't. You, we you were going to. Oh yeah, you shouldn't have tripped Martin Per that time when he was doing his laps. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> overreacting, <laughs> typical English. But yeah, I just thought that that was interesting. I, another thing in that regard is there was a bit of criticism leveled at the Whitecaps for their lineup in the Canadian Championship final because they called Levante up as the third Canadian. Mm -hmm. But they finished the game with no Canadians on the pitch. Yeah. Now, am I am I remembering this wrong? Or did the rule used to be you had to have three Canadians on the pitch at all times? I don't... Uh, it might have been, but I don't remember like that. Like way back, maybe. Yeah. See, I think... I think the... Criticism is fair, but I also like if you're the Whitecaps, you what do you carry? You play by the rules and you want. Like I, I, yeah. I don't think I don't think the Whitecaps or their fans will really care at all. Yeah, I and think, my my I feeling think, as a non-Canadian is I don't care who's on the yeah. pitch. I just want to win I, the the cup. I'll say this: I, I say it's the responsibility of the Canadian Soccer Association to develop and grow Canadian football and thus Canadian footballers and all these other things. This is why the CPL exists, right? 
to to have a league that can that can grow that. And so, in the same sense, the fact that the CSA uh, are the ones who oversee the the the, the national cup, uh, I think uh, I, they're well within their rights to to have these type of uh, requirements for the competition. Uh, I do think, and I said this before this year. I think I said it, I don't know if on on our show or with you and I talking in previous years. I, I think that they do need to up it. I think three is is too low. This has nothing to do with you know the, the white caps and where they're at this year, and because the white caps uh, up, up until maybe last year always had too many like wait, like tons of Canadians yeah. and stuff. So I, I, they had, they had the issue, issue because you had so, Ali Ahmed there, that was injured this year as well, yeah. so he couldn't so, even play. Yeah. So my perspective has nothing to do with the white caps, especially the white caps this year, but I think. For the CSA and for the growing of of the Canadian game and Canadian players, I think that they should uh, increase uh, the. There should be alterations that increase the amount of Canadians that are playing in this and or um, have to be on a field at a time, right? So yeah, whether that it's it becomes you know four or five players and it's you know to start the game or becomes let's say four players and you always have to have a minimum of four on the field. I, I would have nothing I, I would see nothing wrong with that at all personally and I think it it could and would be helpful uh, you don't have to look far back and and even maybe f- even far in um in uh football culture to find other examples of this like I don't know I, I know I'm sure you remember this when I started watching football in the 90s I remember watching you know Syria uh, on Teletino and, and being like Oh, okay, they're taking this guy off, and they can't bring this guy on because he's not from Italy. Mm. You know, it's like okay, if you're gonna yeah, you had similar stuff in corner, Scotland. You had yeah. to have yeah, because a, they used a quota to, and... in Syria. You you could only have three non-Italians on the field at a time, right? Back in the day, and then I think obviously labor laws changed. Yeah, that. the EU laws yeah. and freedom of movement and stuff changed that. into that. So in Canada, I don't think there'd be any labor laws that would cause an issue for that, and, and maybe I'm wrong. But um, I think that uh, I think that that is a step they could take. Obviously, uh, they have the roster rules and the, and the CPL are meant to uh, secure a number of spots for Canadians within the le- that league. And so, yeah, I would have no problem with it. And I think that um, for the most part, I think the, you know, obviously the the League One clubs wouldn't have any issues. I don't think uh, meeting uh, an increased requirement. The MLS clubs might have to be a little bit more strategic. To do so, but yeah. as long as, I, I as think long if as you're going to do that, though, they should also be allowed that they can have the, the call ups from their two teams and stuff as well. Yeah, because that's like me- that, the White Caps, it's not all Canadians, but I mean, the, some of their top talent in there are Canadians, so you could call them up if they make that a little bit more flexible. Was, was there a limited number of guys they could do like what they do with the Levante? No, um, but it all comes down to like your four call-ups because Levante now that's his fourth call-up so he can't get called up again for the rest of the year right unless they sign him obviously then he's on an MLS deal is the number the number of call-ups is that to do with the CSA or is that to do with like the league MLS MLS. yeah so so but if the if the CSA were to say put a rule in place that overrode that that you could call it up from your your first or your second team or your academy even but I still think you need because it's an American league, as we've talked about many times. Yeah. I still think you would need them to to okay that, right? Like I know oh, this is when I, it gets a little messy, and like yeah. I I genuinely and I would feel the same about East well, Fife. If East Fife won a title with no Scottish players, which is probably the best way that they would do to win a title, you, then I wouldn't care. 
you, you say you say it gets a little messy, but to be fair, Messi's always been little, so yeah. We might we might mention something about a messy little guy little little later in the show. But I I do I I, I get why people don't like it that there was no Canadians that finished the game for the White Caps, but as you say, it's the it, if Canada soccer aren't happy, they need to do something about it. And but but to be, but to be fair, like with other rules we've talked about before, that people would like changed, like the the like rule you would like changed about um, uh, host teams in the Voyagers Cup having to pay the, the travel yes. of the away team. That those those type of things, and I would assume this rule are all all are are all rules that are heavily lobbied by the MLS clubs. Oh yes. Right? So you can say it's this it totally is the CSA's prerogative, but they're also dealing with these organizations that play in an American league and having yeah. to work, work with them on these type of issues uh with some give and take or whatever. So it's yeah, they are in control, but yeah, there are there are ways that they're being lobbied. I don't know what that looks like or whatever. Yeah. But we have heard about that in the past. But I mean like that is one of the things that that we just heard from Vanny there uh, yeah, in the yeah, audio yeah, after yeah. the game. Yeah. Like he's basically said there needs to be more League One teams League in one it. Team. And yeah. can you imagine like if they're playing the White Cats, it's their biggest game of the year, and it would be. And they would yeah. make lots of money. TSS would have made a six-figure sum if they'd beat Pacific and were hosting the White Caps. And it's like it sets these clubs up for for years to do the stuff that they, they want to do and help grow the game and bring the young Canadian players on that might make the jump to CPL that then in turn might make the jump to MLS or to the national team so yeah so I mean if there's a change of rules needed then speaking of that again so going back to 20,000 in attendance mm-hmm. so that means 10,000 is going to the the tournament and 10 or sorry $10,000 is going to the tournament and $10,000 is going to the league one BC representative I, I, in the Voyager yeah. Cup I don't, I don't know how many free tickets there were handed out, but yeah, I mean, if you break it down just to that, I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah, which so, is great. Which is great if that's the case. That's great. That is fantastic. Yeah, no, that I hadn't thought of that. that that's a very good point. I, I will race that at the game tomorrow. Of course, TSS have to win the regular season to be in the Voyagers Cup next year, which, who knows, it could be Victoria Highlanders. I, I think it boils down to just now Victoria or TSS as the, one of the teams that's going to be hosting. So either way, good for either one of those clubs. And it'd be kind of nice in a way if it's one of those clubs because they were the two clubs that were mm-hmm. kicking things off in yeah. PDL here that, that kind of kick-started League One BC. So, I mean, we heard from Vanny. Um, we talked about Canadian players. Whitecaps' first goal from an American set up by a German, stroke American. Second goal from a Scot. Let's hear from him just now. Let's hear a little bit from a very joyous Ryan Gold. Uh, Ryan, you must be getting used to winning cups here. It's, it had been a big long gap and now we've gone back to back. For, for you as a player, does that make you feel my decision to come to Vancouver? It, it's proved to be a correct one, not just off the pitch with the lifestyle, but what you're now doing as a team on it? Um, yeah, I think we've, in my <clears throat> in my two years here, we've um, we've seen a big improvement, I think, in the team. And um, winning trophies is what all players want to do, that's what you want to do with your career. So, to do, uh, to win it back-to-back is a, a good feeling. You had that taste of the 
Champions League this year. Vanny said yesterday that kind of looking at that as getting players used to it and next year they want to do a big push for going into that. How did you find that experience and now that you know that you've qualified for next year and it's going to be an expanded thing, how are you feeling about that? You know, we want to we want to do better than we've done this year. We were a bit disappointed, um, you know, beating the, the team from Honduras. Um, we're happy to get through the first round, but I think it was quite unfortunate that we, you know, we caught LAFC, who ended up getting beaten in the final. Um, who are a, a very good team, and um, you know, we were disappointed to go out in our in our second game. So next year's a new opportunity, and um, you know, hopefully we'll make it a lot further. Uh, Ryan, what was going through your mind when you uh, started to take that penalty? <laughs> uh, not to sound too like basic, but uh, I always the day before I always uh, decide if there's a penalty. I decide where I'm going to hit it, um, and you know I just as soon as as soon as the referee's given a penalty, um, as soon as I get the ball, I know that's where I'm going, and um, I just try to hit it as as best as I can, and you know kind of say if. I kind of try to make sure that if the if the goalie saves it, it's going to be a great save. Um, but you know, thankfully, I think he maybe watched my my penalty last week and um, thought you know if it goes to penalties, I would go that way because that's the way he went. And um, yeah, thankfully, it's ended up in the back of the net. Uh, what was your take on the on the first eighty minutes versus the last five? Yeah, the last um, you know the last uh, what would I say? The the first half was it was a it was a bit strange. It was kind of a, it felt a little bit like the Houston game, not as mad, um, but it was really open and um, the game the game stretched a lot as it went on. You know, we st I think we started really well, and then um, we kind of dropped off, which you know it's it's kind of to be expected. The, I think the heat in there was ridiculous in the in the first half. Um, so we kind of we kind of dropped off the pace a wee bit, but even so, we still created chances towards the end of the half. And then um, I think we started the second half well again. Um, we got our two goals, and for ten minutes after the goal, after the second goal, we were still uh, we were still comfortable. Uh, we maybe took our foot off the gas a little bit, and kind of we thought it was done. And then you know, obviously they've got the goal, which is a it's a good ball over the top and a good touch and finish from the boy. Um, and then you know, the, it's kind of like the alarm bells were ringing a little bit, and we started to panic a wee bit. And uh, we did give up a few chances. And um, like I said out there, you know, I think all of us owe Yohe a drink after after that save, and uh, Javain as well. Um, the tackle in the very last second because I think it was two or three of them right in front of goal just to tap it in and um, Javain and Yohei together have stopped it and it was kind of reminiscent of the Seattle game in 2021 you know the last second to make it into the playoffs I think there was a block and Max at the time saved it so there was a bit of that same feeling um, but yeah I think we definitely owe Yohei a, a couple of beers 
Ryan Gold there just chatting uh, about that win and we mentioned the first goal was set up by Julian Gressel. So you might have heard Devani and the, the Gold audio if you checked it out on the Whitecaps website. This audio you definitely won't have heard. So Julian Gressel came over, spoke to some media on the pitch after the game. It's very loud. So I think you can hear Julian okay. You might not be able to hear the questions great, but here's three minutes anyway with Julian Gressel. Julian, how does it feel? Back-to-back, cup winners? Feels good. I mean, it's uh, obviously a tough game, a good team that we play against. Um, yeah, you know, this is it was a goal of ours to win back-to-back championships after, um, obviously, last year coming into the season. And, uh, yeah, it feels good to do it at home in front of a great crowd. This is uh, another, yeah, great trophy for the club. What was the half-time team talk like? Because you dominated that first half, but Sir Wah was kind of playing out the skin. Yeah, it wasn't too much. It was just to keep going and keep believing that the goals are going to come, and um, you know they did in the end. So it was it was not too much adjustments. Um, really, just trying to keep persistent at it and trying to you know refocus and, and yeah catch your breath a little bit. But we knew we were going to be at home and that eventually you know one of those chances is going to fall and it happened like that. And yeah, it felt good. Was your heart rate in the last uh, five minutes there? Or the last five seconds. Probably would have been lower if I was on the field, to be honest. No, but it's a final, you know. They're going to throw everything they have. And, um, yeah, for us to stand like that, um, obviously credit to the guys, credit to the Yohei. And, um, yeah, it shows the resilience of the group to, to keep fighting till the final whistle. Vancouver fans aren't necessarily used to seeing your team play like this on a front foot in a final. What would you say to them after a performance like this? I think we've done it all year, you know, and, and it's not a joke. I think that... We're statistically, I think, one of the better teams in MLS, and um, you know we are playing like that uh, every week. Obviously, we have to figure it out a little bit on the road, but if you come into the stadium and you come support us, you come watch us, I think you see that type of football and that type of soccer, and I think we've shown that now over, I don't know, 16 games or whatever, and um, you know we're going to get that the rest of the year as well. Having this crowd of over 20,000 people today, just how much more does that give you to feed off of? Oh, it's an incredible difference. You, you notice it immediately, and as soon as the first goal comes in, the other team gets flustered, and we just kind of keep flying, you know? I think it's, it's something that you, you underestimate a little bit uh, when it's not there, but when it's there, it, it pushes you and it helps you a ton. Julian, when you came last year and you won the trophy, it was like, what are And you said, this is what it's going to be like here in Vancouver. You went back-to-back, you win the MVP. How do you feel now? Feels good. You know, it was a goal of ours to win this tournament, like I said, and... Um, yeah, it just feels good to, you know, I think start a new era for this club. I think the way we play shows that. And I think obviously the hardware now, back-to-back Canadian champions. Um, hopefully we establish ourselves as, uh, you know, one of the best club in Canada uh, from here on out. Uh, tonight you proved that you are the best team in Canada. What's next for the Whitecaps? I think to prove that every week in MLS. You know, I think we want to be a better team in MLS to be you know, a top four uh, home playoff game. I think that, you know, I think we, we certainly have that in us. And we have to show that every week to, um, you know, put these types of performances together. Um, but, you know, again, we're going to enjoy this. Obviously, have one more game Saturday, and then we get a little break, and uh, then we keep rolling in last. So we've heard from the Whitecaps side, Vanny, Ryan, Julian, 
Let's just hear a little bit though from the losing head coach, CF Montreal's Hernan Losada. Coach, commiserations on the loss. Um, it was a tough match, I think, for your team. What did you think of your team's performance today? First of all, to say congratulations to Vancouver. I think they did a very good game. They are a very tough opponent. Playing at home, it's, they are very, very strong. I think they did a, a very good first half. Um, but despite uh, the chances Vancouver had in every game and in every final, there are turning points, uh, moments that can switch uh, the game. And one of them was the counter-attack on the first half before going to halftime. Big opportunity. I think it's even three against two. Uh, Ariel Lassiter shoot to the goal. Um, but I think it was a chance to go to the halftime uh, 0-1. And then, well, they scored two goals. Uh, the first one, unlucky. Uh, the second one, uh, it comes before we want to make the subs. And when we make the subs, OK, we try to play a little bit all, of, all or nothing. The players uh, gave absolutely everything until the very last second. This is uh, a game in a stretch of five weeks, playing Wednesday, Saturday. So we had the heavy legs. Uh, we didn't have the same luck that Vancouver had playing the last two games at home. We were, we were coming from the road with a lot of trips and travels. And again, it's not an excuse, but and Vancouver deserves to win this champion, uh, this uh, championship. But I think at the end we play all or nothing, and we could even take a draw at the very end. The goalkeeper make an incredible save, and we put numbers in the box, and we play with a lot of uh, pride and and commitment. Uh, I think we really sweat uh, this shirt, and we believed uh, a result was possible until the very end. Unfortunately, it ended up uh, 2-1 for them, and again, congratulations. What do you felt was lacking from your side today? No, in a final, it goes about details, it goes about uh, being efficient with the chances you have, uh, it goes about so many things, you know, details are very important in a final. It's one game, all or nothing, playing on the road, so you have to be very focused and very concentrated, but I think... Uh, we compensate a lot with a lot of efforts, with a lot of uh, commitment until the very end. The people coming from the ba- from the bench did his absolute best. And at the end, six minutes in extra time, we, we really gave it all and and the draw was close. And with a draw, you we could go to penalties and on penalties, everything can happen. But it's not for us tonight and we will keep working and we will try again next year. You talked about the save from uh, Yohei Takeoki at the very end of the game, yet you got some very excellent goalkeeping yourself, uh, especially uh, keeping you uh, into the game going into the first half. What do you make about the performance that you had in that? Of our goalkeeper? Yes. Yeah, he got a, he got a great game. He got a great game. If, if we should have gone into penalties or if we should have won the game, Jonathan was one of the players of the, of the match. So, no. It's an incredible talent. He's growing every single weekend. And I think by moments, thanks to him, we were in the game until the very end. 
Hard and you have a, a young team, so you know what would you take from a game like this, an experience like this, to as you continue, just you know, still year one of your project. No, it's a beautiful experience for so many young players in our roster to be part of a game like that. To be part of a game like that, uh, well, not many players have the opportunity to play a final. Some players have a careers of 10, 15 years and they never been in a situation like that. So you learn a lot. It's, it's a beautiful experience. And uh, for young players, it's something to take in consideration for the future and to learn from all these moments. It's been a much different performance from your side from when they were here a few weeks ago. What do you put that down to? What change have you seen in the team in the last few weeks? I think there was a lot of mental toughness, discipline, um, uh, and basically playing as a team, um, where we the defensive efforts were not negotiable, uh, and that spirit brought us into the game until the very end. So now we improve in a lot of different departments. Um, we still have to improve the offensive part. But everyone is doing an incredible effort. Uh, everyone is trying to do their max, no matter how many minutes they play. And uh, we keep on giving opportunities to, to young guys and the opportunities they get is because they deserve it. So we have to move forward. In two days, we have another game. And then hopefully we have a, a little break to recharge the batteries, which is very necessary. So, Hernan Lasada taking it on the chin, knows that his team kind of started slow. Good goalkeeping by Sirwa to, to keep them in it. Um, I, so, the, the question at the end, oh, do you wish you'd played like you did for the last seven minutes for more of the match? And he's like, yeah, obviously, because we lost. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's some question to ask him. He, I mean, he, he's been under fire because they're horrible start. But yeah, I mean, he, I, I he, asked he, him there about the turnaround. Him. So, I mean, yeah. he's he's shown now that he's got this team playing. Yeah, and they got a good win today, which we'll look at in the next part as well. Which they got a a good bump coming out of, of this one. Interestingly, from players that didn't start the cup final, but yeah, that's our two joyous parts looking at the. Whitecaps Canadian Championship victory. Would there be a hangover when they get into MLS play? Well, we'll chat about that and some of the other big stories around MLS after this. Hi, I'm Ryan Gold and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's a song I've played before from former Artists of the Month here at AFTN from Wales, Cardiff, Super Furry Animals, Something for the Weekend, the third single taken from their debut album Fuzzy Logic in 1996, reached number 18 in the UK charts, and I, I picked it because it's got the bits five, six, seven, man, I'm in heaven. And obviously, feeling that I'm in heaven after the Whitecaps Voyager's Cup success, and this is episode 567. Mm. It all ties in. I was going to have the Pixies as well, Monkey's Gone to Heaven, because it's, if man is five, if man is five, then the devil is six, and God is seven. So, five, six, seven again. I've sung that on karaoke. Mm. I enjoyed it. I don't think the audience did. I say, <laughs> I say audience, people in the pub. They, they weren't really there to see me. They should have been, but there we go. That was also the, the same karaoke night I sang Nirvana's You Know You're Right, which I think I've spoken about before, which is just me going, you know you're right, for two minutes. I was popular with the, the folk in the pub that night. How many times do you, was it all a set or did you, like, just keep going back? Or? I just keep going back. I love karaoke. I don't know. I haven't done it. I don't think I've done it here, actually. We should do an AFTM karaoke now. I, I keep thinking we should have a karaoke thing or get TSS to do it or the Southsiders. I, I want to have a karaoke night, but it's got to have good kind of punky things that I can sing. Stroke what, about, shout. What, about, what about a live band karaoke night? Ooh. I mean, I have sung on stage with a live band before. My my <laughs> friend's band, The Muck, where they got me to do a Super Furry Animals song. This is all tying in beautifully. Classic. Um, they, I may have told this story in the show before, but my friend Danny, the lead singer, all week he'd been like, oh, we're going to have this song in the set. I was like, oh, cool, I love that one. He's like, yeah, we'll get you up to sing it. I was like, yeah, yeah. Didn't think anything of it. And then... He got to this bit and he's like, oh, we've got a special person coming up to sing this. And I was like, oh, you're shitting me. And I didn't move. And he's like, come on, Michael. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I can't remember all the words. But I, I got through most of it, so it was it was quite good. The international language of screaming. It starts from, from A to B and then on to C. Don't stop the story till you get to Z. It's all coming back to me. Talking about Super Furry Animals, I have been wanting oh, yeah. their strip. You've talked about this before, yeah. right? Yeah. They sponsored for the Welsh Cup one year, Cardiff City Artist Strip. Team. And I have been wanting this since the 90s. Because it was limited edition and it sold out. It keeps coming up on eBay. The last one was up on eBay and it sold for £300. So one came up this week and I've been watching it all week. And it sold for £375. About 626 Canadian dollars. I'd been telling Caitlin I was watching it and I was wanting to get it. And I said, look what it went for. And she's like, that is ridiculous. Who would pay that for the strip? And I was like, um... And she's like, you better not have bought that strip. I went, I didn't, I didn't. <laughs> okay, so that begs the question I was going to ask you is, what would you pay for this strip? I always thought £150, but I might go to 200 now. Okay. So you're never going to get it? I don't think I'm ever going to get it. <laughs> it it's, a, it's a beautiful kit. 
Was it's it brand new? Logo. Yeah. Well, it said used because yeah. they probably wore yeah. it once or something. Yeah, yeah. But it's got the logo on the front and the old badge, and it's the old style strip that's got like the lace collar. Yeah. That's like retro. It's just that and Goldie Looking Chain's original Newport County kit are the, the, the two band kits that I'm really wanting. Um, I, I The last week I've bought three football strips. I got a Dulwich Hamlet one that I've been wanting for a while because yeah. it's sponsored by Defected, which is a record label, which, according to Canada Post, was delivered to me in my mailbox on Friday. And it is not in my mailbox, but it also says it was delivered to my mailbox in Burnaby. And since I live in Vancouver, I don't know what the hell's going on. So I'm giving it to Monday, but this was an expensive kit, so it better not have gone missing. Then I've got a Lost Campesinas kit I've been wanting for a while that I got on eBay because I missed the original run. It sold out while I was asleep because it went up UK time. And I still have to get the Fontaine's DC Bohemians kit. But yeah, anyway, got completely sidetracked there to start this part as we do. This is why the shows are three hours. Ah, something for the weekend, sir. White caps <laughs> against Cincinnati. That's what we had for this weekend. I'm not going to go too much into this game because I found it dull. I posted that on Twitter and the majority of the replies were that I was wrong and they enjoyed this game. I I'm think, sticking to my guns. I didn't enjoy it. I can see why people would enjoy it, especially with the form that you know the Whitecaps are in and you know coming off the high of the cup and even you know even. The, Coming from behind to get a result in in the game, I can I can see, and it had some, it did have some moments for sure. Yeah, it, it, it had did. some quality moments. I mean, I'm I'm maybe being a little bit unfair because, to be honest, at halftime and for most of the second half, I'd put the boxing on my laptop because it was the Tartan Tornado, the undefeated Tartan Tornado, Josh Taylor from Edinburgh, defending his WBO title and Ring Magazine linear title. It was a terrible fight, and he got beaten points. I, so, I think it's. Just, I, I know I would never want any kind of bo title. I think that sounds gross. WBO, that's fine. That's the worst bo. <laughs> yes, because it's coming from your W. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what that is. It's late. It's after midnight. It's after midnight. Oh, oh, come all over, Michael Jackson. Haven't said that since I was a little kid. Anyway, moving on. I shouldn't have had that coffee yet. Cut, 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 cut. <laughs> <laughs> How many times have you said you can't talk about you can't make Michael Jackson jokes anymore? Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! <laughs> now we know why he was making that noise. Well, I, it ties in with West Ham. They're always forever blowing bubbles. Oh, no, yeah, it's come on. <laughs> no. Don't make the joke. I heard that joke already this week. <laughs> it's so bad. Anyway, Whitecaps, FC Cincinnati. None of this is getting cut. It's the best bit of the show. No, you got to cut it out. No. I, I thought it was dull. Other folk thought otherwise. Um, Cincinnati came into this game a leading I still finished the game leading the Supporters' Shield race. They're 39 points, the most amassed by any team through the first 16 matches in MLS history. That's quite the feat for a team that's been kind of perennial laughing stocks, really. It does show 
how it doesn't take too much to turn a team around. I'm sounding a little bit like our good friend, the hot dog man. Oh, yeah. Well, that, no, you're not. You don't sound like him. You're not. But I mean, they're doing they're doing well. They're playing some nice football. I haven't really watched tons of them this season. I've seen a couple of little highlights I, I, here and I've, there. And... Yeah, I've seen a few of their highlights and they've done, obviously they've, they've been killing it. Yeah. Uh, the first half, I mean, both teams had their chances. There was nothing that really stood out of, oh, that was a fantastic close call. There there was a chance or two in the first yeah, half. Yeah. I mean, Berhalter had a long-range shot in the seventh minute. White had a, a chip. This was probably close for the Whitecaps. White was in on goal. Oh, uh, yeah. Chipped over the keeper, took a very unfortunate bounce and kind of went wide. Um, Vasquez brought a good save out of Takaoka when he just mm-hmm. twisted and turned and danced his way through the, the Whitecaps defenders and then Brown had a good block um, of a, a shot Cordova had a shot I was going to say Cordova had a chance that yeah. was not great but this was, was one of his better games to be fair but he's still way off the pace yeah um, and then there was a kind of scramble five minutes before the break that Takoka had another save and there was a block and stuff like that. Second half, this is why I thought the second half was boring. My match report basically has four things for the second half. The two goals, mm. 51st minute, there was the the shot that brought a save from Takoka, but it wasn't even that strong a shot or a save. And then White had a chance that landed on top of the net. Yeah. I think the 79th minute. So that was it really in the second half. But the action was saved to late. Yeah. And 83rd minute, Acosta, fantastic finish. Long ball forward. Now, I'd put in my report the... There was you could maybe point fingers at Takaoka for being a little bit out of position. Um, TJR on Twitter says I think he was maybe slightly off his line, but it was more a wonderful chip than a goalkeeping error. Oh, yeah, he, again, I'm maybe was, just being harsh because I was grumpy because the tornado lost. Yeah, he was definitely off his line, but I agree. This this was not one where you're like, oh, you know, he'll wish he could have done more, could have done better. No, this was just an absolute quality, quality, quality um, loft. Yeah, I mean, it shows it's, the player it's not, across it's not, it's not the same, like, it's not a chip. He didn't chip it. He lofted it, right? Yeah, yeah. On the, on the, lofted on the, on the it in the top corner. The bounce. Yeah. Beautiful the, yeah. hit. Beautiful, Beautiful ball forward to set him up as well. But is, is that, like, that's one of the best visiting goals this year, I think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it was harsh on the white caps, though, because like, I, I think a draw is a fair result. Yeah. I think both teams coming out of this with a point, I, I don't think either will really grumble too much. So I was harsh when they went behind. And the way the game had been going, I didn't really fancy them getting back into it. But they were gifted the equaliser, really. Yeah. I've no idea what Miagza yeah. was doing with that challenge in Cordova. Yeah, Cordova made a significant contribution by allowing a person to push him in the back to the ground of the yeah. park. Which, which, yeah, it seemed like asinine. Like, uh, it's like, like the what are you doing? Like, if that yeah. was one of our defenders, you'd be losing it. Oh, yeah. And it's like, uh, 
it was him actually that had the ball forward to Acosta for the goal. So he just had that great contribution. Yeah. And then he goes and does that. And then Ryan steps up, slots at home, obviously picked his spot last night where he was going to go, which was the same spot as he went for... Because that was the other thing he said about his penalty choices. Like, he picks his spot the night before, and then it's just a case of making it as much into the corner and as difficult for the keeper to get to if he guesses the right way as possible. And both his penalties this week have done that. So two crucial penalties from Goldie in the space of four days, and that's now four straight games that Ryan's been on the score sheet. Yeah, he is definitely finding finding form uh and and leading the the team well as the you know the true on-field captain of the team and yes. and the difference maker and you know the big designated player and the most creative player and you know not not even debated debatably the most skilled player highest you know probably football IQ you know it, that's all that's all that's all being um made more apparent uh the more and more he scores yeah. and, and leads and leads in the offense you just kind of hope it maybe rubs off and maybe another designated player over time. Because yeah. the thing is, that, like we keep talking about, oh, Cordova has to get match fitness. He's got to get games under his belt. There's now an 11-day gap to the next game and he's still not firing at full cylinders. You've surely got to play him for WFC too. You've got to get him this, this these minutes. Playing with Levante. Yeah, I wonder, do you remember how there were players in the past who refused to play yes. for WFC? Yes. It'd be interesting to know if if he if he would make a similar expression if he has been told to or offered the opportunity to, to go and do that. That's a good question. You should ask um, Yeah, I, if I get a chance to chat to Vani before the next game, I, I will, but I, I'll be having some time off now. Some much-deserved time off. It's like, to me, it felt like this was two tired teams out there because they've both played a hell of a lot of football in the last six weeks. And I think it kind of showed at times. The crowd, over 16,000, not bad. No, that's better than I feel like it's been for a while. For yeah, the... they've been getting 13, 14. I, think, I thought that was a good crowd tonight because yeah. someone had messaged me going, oh, that's a terrible crowd. It's like, I think that's a good yeah. crowd for it... a Cincinnati team that, as I said at the start... You look at it and it's not like, oh, sexy players, go watch that. Or, oh, I've seen tons of them on TV. Yeah. No, I think, I I, I, I don't know if the person talking to you was watching on TV or, or in the stadium, but. Yeah, no, they were on TV. On the, on, on the broadcast, yeah, at the, uh, early in the game, I thought, oh, it's a little little less than I thought it would be. But then when the, the sold number came out of 16, I was like, okay, that makes more sense. And yeah. It, it was a good point in the end. I think it was a fair point in the end. Afterwards, Vanny said, I, I think we did a very good job. I think we did a well, game where we did what we're supposed to do. We started too aggressive, in my opinion, in the first 20 minutes. Uh, and then we settled down. It was perfect, he feels. Now, did anyone question him about the, you know, getting five out of the nine? Because I know there was like a, hey, we're going to get six. And you oh, know, if, if, we, if no. we get the six, then the last one's a bonus and whatever. I mean, obviously, you get five points and you win a cup, so it's and you it's four undefeated, right? So it's hard to yeah, yeah, about that, but because this is the tough part of it, because the last two league games is it's four points dropped at home, yeah, and this is a team 
that has not been able to find a way to win on the road. On the road, yeah, to make up those points. Their next three games after this break are on the road. Mm-hmm. They have to somehow find this magic formula. And yeah. they've struggled for a year to find it, so I don't know where it suddenly appears from. Which is another thing about the about the, the back-to-back Forgers Cup, right? Is I know we talked about last year they were not the favourites, this year they were, but both times they were playing at home, which, yes. which, which obviously helped them. Yeah. The the only good thing for them is the next game is Colorado, yeah. who are well, but, terrible and who yeah, had but, two men sent off today. But Colorado are terrible, but... Um, it's uh, the altitude is brutal. Yes. Like, yeah. So it, you could be in the best form of your life and, you know, on a high, coming in on a high undefeated streak, whatever that altitude can just mess with you. Like we've seen it even when the white in the previous years, when they've been in great form, they go there and they, 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 you know, end up with a, a draw that should have been a win or they, they lose like multiple goals or whatever. Colorado is one place you cannot Look at their form or the standings or whatever, because you're playing more than just the, the the players on the field. You're playing the the elements, the atmosphere, and I don't mean their supporters. I mean the literal atmosphere. Oh no, yeah, because like when I when I spoke to Tam McManus, who played with Colorado, and Kenny mm-hmm. Duker, who played with RSL, they both yeah. spoke about oh when you it just when you go there if, when you're not used to it, yeah, it just takes your breath away and you just. You're you're just bent over and panting and yeah, it, it it's going to be tough for them. But we'll have a quick look around the MLS West. I haven't had tons of time to watch stuff uh, today, but if if we go over the results first of all for the the Western teams, it was a an interesting three all draw between Charlotte and Seattle. It was um, it, it was a, a really a really pretty good game. I've seen the highlights of this game. Yeah, that that was one I managed to watch before we started recording. Roll Dan, the good Roll Dan. Yeah, oh, sorry, the better Roll Dan, and uh, this little uh, striker uh, number nine, uh, Raúl Ruiz Diaz, got a yeah, brace. Yeah, his second goal was yeah, really nice. Really yeah, nice. Who, but Seattle who, took the lead. Th- <laughs> who would wouldn't want, want a player who like Ruiz Diaz? Greg Ruiz Diaz on their team. Ah, <laughs> oh. Seattle took the lead three times in this away from home. And Charlotte found a way to come back and and grab a point off them. So that that was a a good result for Charlotte in the end. It's, I mean, going there, you think, oh, that's a good point for Seattle. But when you've had the lead three times, yeah. you kind of have to hold on to it. It seems like again, I, I think I don't think there's people in the upper bowl there, but at their stadium. But I don't know if the lower bowl is not maybe not full, 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 but it has a full feel, you know. And it looks like it still looks like there's a lot of things going well for them, you know, just yeah. in, the, in the overall ethos of their of their club and at their matches. Yeah, I like what they're doing. I like I liked that jersey that they wore today. The kind of mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I guess red and blue or claret and blue. It's not. That's red. I'm uh, colorblind, so I guess it's pinky claret. Anyway, it, that that one. It's nice. Yeah. Um, today. <laughs> yeah. Montreal were their new kits today. They finally got a new home kit. Oh yeah, right. It's, I have not seen I've not seen that one. It's the nothing, n- nothing that you would go, ooh, that was worth the wait for. But it, it paid off. They got the bounce back from the defeat midweek. 
4-0 win over Minnesota, so doing the Whitecaps uh, a solid in return. Two goals for Mason Toy. Oh, nice. Remember. One for Bro Goulart. Yeah, well, one I heard, I heard for Rudy Camacho. Wait, what? Yeah. Was it not an own goal? No, a proper wow. goal. But interesting, three of those goals, because Toy and ZBG were not starting the cup final. Right. You do wonder maybe where, where they just... Did that well? Toys coming back from injury, but did that light a fire yeah. under them today, or should they have started? But yeah, we won't get into any of that. They let's see what was the next one. Uh, oh, I watched Toronto Nashville, nothing to yeah. do with the the West, right. but yeah, I watched Toronto one, took the lead in that. Howler from Sean Johnson to for oh, equalizer yeah. for Nashville. I, I was like, for a second, I was like, is that Emil Milgazdov? <laughs> it was that bad, right? It was like it, right it through was. the hands. Whatever happened to him? <laughs> um, Orlando 2, Colorado nil, and Colorado had two men sent off. They only conceded one goal when they were down to um, 10 men, yeah. and then the second goal late on when they were down to nine men, which was, the first <laughs> one was a straight red, the second one, um, Abubakar, was a second yellow. So they'll both be missing the Whitecaps game. Yeah. But yeah, it's they're really struggling just now and I thought they'd have a dip this year but not as massive it's just been a, a little bit weird oh yeah the next one was the big shock result of the day Houston 4 LAFC 0 now we know Houston's good at home but wow but, yeah so how much do you think the losing to Leon was that that was this week, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder that that it must be. Well, possibly worrying. because LAFC played midweek as well, and it was a nil-nil draw. That hangover. Did Did you watch the the second leg? Uh, of the Lyon LAFC. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. When you texted me about it, I was like, Oh yeah, I don't have the oh, on. Yeah. So I put it. I put it on. Um. They they battled. Yeah, Leon were, were worthy winners. And yeah. I should have mentioned this when we were talking about the football we'd watched this week. I'd forgotten about that. It now means, of course, that the CONCACAF Champions League champions are coming to Vancouver on July the last, 21st. The last ever CONCACAF Champions League. Yes. I, I'm hoping there's a good crowd out for that and that there's some good Mexicans. Because there's a really good atmosphere in LA with the yeah. two sets of fans. Um, But yeah, the... I don't know if has it taken its toll on, on LAFC a little bit, but I mean Houston are strong at home. Sporting Kansas City, it's up and down season continuing. They had a four one win over Austin today, and I, I I don't know what to make of them. But Polito's starting to get the goals, which should be a little bit worrying for other teams. He got a pair today, so other teams in the West might be a little bit worried about that but they're starting to make some inroads as well RSL nil New York City nil not a lot to talk about in that San Jose 2 yeah, Philadelphia win that, that for me is the other shock result I think of the day yeah um, I mean San Jose has been pretty good at home right yeah they took um, the lead Ibo BC in the 8th minute Philadelphia tied it up with low and then the winner came from Troco in the 57th minute. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the Union goal was like a free header off a corner. I mean, they could, the keeper couldn't do much on it. But, uh, no, it was 
yeah, obviously a great win for a great win for San Jose, and uh, yeah, it is an upset, obviously, but it I, th- I thought they were well worth it. Yeah, two games tomorrow. St. Louis play LA Galaxy. This podcast will be out after that. Might be out before Portland play Dallas tomorrow night. Both those games are free on TSN. Interestingly, yes, that's right. Hmm. Um, but it doesn't matter what happens in those games because it won't affect the Whitecaps standings. The Whitecaps came into this weekend sixth in the West, and they finished this weekend sixth in the West. Yeah, they're on twenty-two points. The slightly concerning thing for me with dropping these points in the last two home games, aside from the fact they can't win away, is it's opened up a gap now a little bit. So you've got St. Louis before their game on Sunday, top on 28, Seattle second on 28, LAFC on 26, Dallas on 26, San Jose on 26. Then there's a four-point gap now to Vancouver. So it's already, and it's still early, I know there's still a lot to go, it's... I mean, this is the halfway point of the season for the Whitecaps because it's their 17th mm-hmm. game. Some teams have played 18, some have played 16, LAFC's just played 14. But it does feel like there's maybe a little gap developing between those top five and then the rest. So you've got Vancouver in sixth and 22, Houston's on 21 and seventh. Kansas City have now jumped into the playoff places in eighth. Yeah, which feels crazy, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Because we were just talking about, just a few weeks ago, oh, Peter Vermees, should they give him that extension? Maybe he needs to go, just to finish the standing. So Minnesota's 9th and 20th, then Salt Lake 20 and 10th, Austin on 19, Portland on 17, Colorado 13, and the Galaxy on 12. Nice. I know know we're just covering the the West, but um, if you have time, you should go check out the highlights from uh, one of the games in the East. I watched the highlights on, I didn't get to see the full game, but um chicago hosting columbus uh first off i, I feel like i have i just want to say i haven't watched a, a lot of chicago games in chicago i've seen a few highlights but i feel like they've mostly been away games because checking out kai kamara and and uh, usually kai kamara scoring so the crowd actually at at soldier field there was kind of encouraging looking like and it wasn't like again they weren't in the upper upper decks or anything but it was uh i don't know the actual i didn't look at the actual number but 18892 18,000 for a Chicago game. That seems crazy yeah, high. Basically, just shy of 19,000, really. Yeah. So, so, um, yeah. And the, like, uh, Sector Latino looked good and whatever. Anyways, uh, Shaq scored a goal. Um, sorry. Uh, the crew scored a goal. I can't remember who scored it. They went up one. Hernandez scored in the 59th. Yeah. He scored in the 59th. Uh, Shakiri gets an equalizer for them. And then, and then in the 93rd minute, there was four minutes of time added on. Uh, Chicago's pressing for the winner. They give away the ball just, I believe, just inside the Columbus half. And Zella Ryan, I remember I talked before about the Champions League and Barella had a chance, first time a chance. Yeah, I've just Ze- I've just played the goal You're just now. <laughs> yeah. Zella Ryan, first touch, I believe, either from just on his side of half or just on the other side of half, just shoots. And wow. what and the great, great curl over the keeper's head and into the net. Oh, man. You need to go check it out if you haven't seen it. Yeah, it's I've just watched quality. it just now. That is a stunning goal. That's got to be up there for goal of the season. Yeah. Oh, I love how the keeper has flown way over his head, but he still makes an attempt to jump in the air for some Yeah, but reason. did you see the bend on it, though? He's like yeah. way, he's going the wrong way. Or he's I, 
Oh, I love seeing Wilfried Nancy as well. Yeah, Nancy just puts his hands up there. Like, yeah, we, that's us. We won. Yeah. Oh, was... no. oh, oh boy. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. So, you know when you go on the MLS website? I don't and, know that, but okay. And, well, it has the closed captioning. So, it's the commentator speaking, and because I've got the sign down because we're doing the show. So, Wilfred Nancy... It's what I think it means to say. But it says, I mean, comma, wolf for Nazi. What? That's so horrible. I'm, I'm just going to share the screen just so yeah, you can see you, this. You, so you, have to, you have the screen shut down. Also, I'm just watching Columbus. It's, it's, oh, it's, yeah. always, it's great to see Mo Farsi, again, another player developed in the Canadian Premier League to uh, continue just to kick on with his career and, yeah. Be a part of what the Nazis doing down there. Yeah, so it says there Tackle we go. Is coming in. The block is coming on. I mean, Wolf for Nazi. <laughs> I mean, Wolf for Nazi. All he could do is just raise his arms <laughs> and chuckle. <laughs> yeah, you gotta. Oh, you know what I just realized? You know what I just realized, Michael? What I just saw. Do you know? Do you know who he scored on? No. Spencer Ritchie. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I was just Ritchie. laughing at the keeper. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I will tweet that out so that everyone can see it. That is an unfortunate close captioning thing there. <laughs> so, I mean, that that's a roundup of the MLS games. But we want to talk about some of the talking points around MLS for this week. Um, mentioned LA Galaxy. Rooted bottom of the West heading into their game on Sunday. Things made worse as Chicharito has an ACL injury. Oh, yeah. Suffered it uh, during the midweek US Open Cup quarterfinal loss to Real Salt Lake. There's been no date announced for the surgery, but it's expected that he's out for the season. Now, he only has one goal and one assist in his nine games so far. But, I mean, that is a huge blow to an already struggling Galaxy side. Their main striker at the moment is the, the Serbian international, Dejan Jovalic. Now, any replacements for Chicharito is going to be limited because the club is facing sanctions for violating the salary budget and roster guidelines during the 2019 season. So they can't add players from abroad that would need an international transfer certificate. They can still add from within MLS, so a player from America or Canada. Uh, they were also fined uh, a million dollars and lost a million in GAM for that as well. So they are screwed unless some team in MLS, and I can't think of anyone that would be, is willing to give up one of their top strikers for them. I mean, they might have to give up quite a bit in return. Maybe we could give them Sergio Cordova. Out of the goodness of her heart. <laughs> oh, Michael. I'm I'm for that. Of course. Or maybe we could trade him back to his former club at RSL for maybe a swap deal with I don't know a Chicho Arango. <laughs> maybe that's why they signed that, him that as a, a carrot to dangle for us to give them Cordova back. That seems a crazy deal, no? That is fantastic business for RSL. Yeah. What's the price tag? Is it is it public? Oh, I didn't see that actually. They had to pay for him, right? I, I heard. I, I heard I would, I, yeah, because they, they signed him from Pachuca. 
I heard a number, but I can't remember. Is his, has he been that poor, Pachuca? That they're like, yeah, well, let's just get rid of him because he was killer and for oh, LFC. He was fantastic. He's still only twenty eight, so they've signed a deal that's going to run through to the end of twenty twenty five with option for twenty six, and he's going to be a DP spot there. That to to add him in, and he can't join until July, but to add him in mid season is just like wow. Yeah. Yeah, it gives someone else for Krylak to play with, and uh, there was the other DP Severino or whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it gives them yeah. So Colombian coming to back to MLS, he'll be plying his trade from July. I don't know. Was there any other South Americans we might expect to see in MLS this year? I don't think I read about any. <laughs> yes. The big news this week, Lionel Messi has said he's coming to Miami, shunning the big bucks in Saudi Arabia and his chance to play opposite his old buddy Cristiano, which is going to be very disappointing for a podcast I listen to called The Famous Sloping Pitch. Um, Nick Hancock, who's a classic uh, quality legend at for his sports and comedy stuff in the UK that just took time off to raise his family in the the peak of his career, had come back last season with a a podcast, The Famous Sloping Pitch, and he's been doing this thing, one of the segments of, he's working on a sitcom where Messi goes to Saudi Arabia and him and Christiana Cristiano Ronaldo are flat sharing so it's like the odd couple so every episode of the podcast they've got a funny thing that's happened between the two of them and so he was all excited for him going to Saudi Arabia because he thought we could actually get this made (laughs) but now he's coming to MLS he's coming to Miami well it's crazy because right Ronaldo's um correct me wrong isn't it 400 million a year Ronaldo yeah. reportedly, and because Messi was going to get more, was it he's going to get eight hundred or something? Eight, yeah, eight hundred. So it was double. So I know there's been all this reporting on what his deal with MLS is, but it will be interesting if we ever find out what the exact numbers are because there's no way he's coming here for the you know his reported nine million a year salary when he could have made eight hundred million over <laughs> yes. a couple of years or whatever it was. I I do wonder has he been offered something like Beckham. Well, that's what they You'll say. Get, right? uh, you can get a franchise, yeah. Um, which is weird because even though it's, I guess I, I don't know how Beckham did it all, right? Because he didn't. He he's only a part owner now, right? Like he brought in other people with tons of money. So I don't know if they paid him money for parts of his rights or or what all happened. But like uh, uh, to have a to have a football club, right? Sure, you save that expansion fee, but then it takes money to invest into it, and mm-hmm. I guess in MLS. At, at that point, like how there's there's not the expansion money train w- will likely have w- is or ha- have slowed down. It, it probably would have, but um, a, a club with Messi involved is going to attract sponsors left, right, and center. Folk will be fair, throwing fair. money at them. Players are going to want to come there. True, fans are going to come and and watch it. I mean, well, we should say first of all, none of this. Is official or signed, yeah. sealed, and delivered? Well, this MLS, MLS, MLS said, isn't it? Like, there's just some details we're figuring. Yeah, out. I mean, it basically is. But I mean, their statement on Wednesday says we are pleased that Lionel Messi has stated that he intends to join Inter Miami and Major League Soccer this summer. 
Although work remains to finalise a formal agreement, we look forward to welcoming one of the greatest soccer players of all time to our league. I'm just wondering, do Miami have his discovery rights? That's, well, <laughs> some, oh yeah, I think every team would have had him down, right? If they could have. Imagine if the Whitecaps had him as discovery rights and they have to get given a lot of money to let him go to Miami. Oh, yeah. why would you take a wad of money? It's like... Well, talking of wads of money, though, of course, the thing that was announced when it was first mentioned that it was coming here is all the other MLS owners will be chipping in and all the other clubs will be chipping in to pay his salary. Yeah. Now, I don't like that at all. No. But here, you got to think about it from the fact of... Yeah, in principle, I agree with you. I don't like it. But obviously, there's probably willingness and open to do that because of what it's going to do for ticket sales in their stadiums, right? Like, but, did, you not, did, you not, did you not see the report that said tickets in Miami now or went from like $30 to like $450? Oh, no, stupid? I didn't. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's on that Ticketmaster fluctuating thing. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. It's crazy. But see, this is the thing. Like, you're saying it's going to help them, and it will, because like next year when the schedule comes out, every single club is going to be looking to say, are Miami coming here? Yeah. Now, the Whitecaps have never played Miami. So, I mean, we are in line, you would think, for a game against them, home or away. Maybe they but... traded in their All-Star game for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that in a heartbeat. Although, the All-Star game, you might be able to get them there too. Oh, yeah, that's true. Oh, yes. Oh. That should be what they should look for then. That's a bigger payday for them. Yes. That's they a they great idea. This. They could sell the stadium for an MLS All-Star game, potentially. Well, I, that's assuming he gets voted on. He might not. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that whole commissioner's pick crap, right? Yeah. It'd be like, Vanny said to me, Messi hasn't made the fan vote, but you've got three picks. Who are you picking? Um, Brian White. Brian White. Uh, he's my favourite striker of all time. Cordova. Just same Cordova. qualities as well. We just need to get him some more minutes to <laughs> yeah. kind of get that going. Um, and, and and I like can we bring Villa. Chiellini back from well, retiral? <laughs> <laughs> that would be a fun press release. Uh, MLS would like to announce a change. To the- <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Um, but yeah, like you're, you're saying, it will help with ticket sales, and it will to certain clubs. Right. Miami selling out every game like gold dust. They'll probably yeah. play games in bigger stadiums. It's not beyond comprehension that MLS will look at the schedule next year and go, okay, Messi's away games in the West are going to be LAFC, LA Galaxy, Galaxy. Seattle. Seattle. Maybe Portland. Mm. It's like, oh, well, we throw... But The only thing, though, is the Whitecaps do have a 60,000 capacity stadium. 50, 50, 58, I think is the official thing. But So I, I don't know. I... I'm excited by it because Messi has come into a league that we are covering and watching. I saw Messi play in Copa America in Seattle when they they had it a couple of years ago. And when I went down to the game, I was like, I didn't think when he came on as a sub that I would get a big buzz because I'm one of those kind of people that I, I don't really care that much yeah but i i got a buzz because like oh my god i'm about to watch messi play i i was my son was asking me the other day like oh have you seen him play and i was like 
No, no, I haven't because I wasn't at that Copa mm. game. I didn't, I didn't. Argentina was one of like the six teams I didn't see in Doha. And then I was just like, well, you know, I have, he's been in, in a team when I was at a game for Argentina, but he never came off the bench because he was 18. It was the quarterfinal against Germany at the <sighs> Olympia Stadium in Berlin. He was in the team, but uh, who was the, the, the white haired coach? Uh, who got a lot of criticism. He coached their youth teams. Anyways, he didn't bring him off the bench for extra time or for anything. And so I've never actually, I don't think I've actually seen him play in person other than sitting on the bench and warming up on the sideline. Because like in all seriousness, if someone said, oh, you could go and watch Ronaldo play in a game, I'd be like, yeah, I don't particularly no. care. I, I don't particularly seen... care if I ever see Neymar play. I'd like to see Mbappe play because he excites me. He's a, he's a great young player. I did quite enjoy seeing Beckham when he was here with the Galaxy in that friendly against the Whitecaps in 2007. He, or did he get pushed? Yeah, no, yeah, it was 2007. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that was, that was, and BC Vice had 44,000 mm -hmm. in it for that game, um, which you talk about, you got to talk about impact of ticket sales, right? That, that, it, that did actually, even though they had good tickets, respectable ticket sales beforehand, that did play a significant role for Toronto FC in their inaugural year. Because mm -hmm. after Beckham got announced to be signing the league, their ticket sales shot up. Like, uh, I think not an insignificant amount. Um, well, I mean, the but, interest in the league is going to be huge. It will have, the detractors that already feel it's a retirement league will still be saying that. But yeah. the folk that say that don't watch the league. No. And like, I have this discussion with my friends in Scotland all the time. It's like MLS is a really good league. It's a quality league, and there's some really good, young, exciting players in it. Yeah, and I, I, people need to give it a chance at a dismissive like this. Totally. Uh, I will say uh, my my record is uh, two Cristiano Ronaldo games and two Cristiano Ronaldo losses, which I feel. Oh, very, I don't mind that. Yeah, I feel very good about it because it was uh, Germany beating Portugal in the third place game in 2006. And every time he touched or got near the ball, the whole crowd booed, which is great. And then um, uh, in Doha, I saw the South Koreans. I think it was a, was it a win or was it no? It was a win. It wasn't a draw. I know the South Korean got got put through. Yeah, they won. They won. And uh, he was. I think he got substituted off in that game, and he was not impressed. Oh yes, yes, and, yeah. Also, so two. I'm two for two with him. Well, that's good. In a good way. In a good way. I mean, th th this players from the past, like I wish I'd seen. Maradona play and I could have because he played in Scotland and stuff right. I just didn't go to that game and I kind of yeah. wish I had now obviously going back I would have loved to have seen like Pele, Beckenbar, Cruyff, George Best who was playing in Scotland for a while with Hibs but again didn't go and see him because I was just a young kid about eight nine at the time but when you look back you think oh I wish I had I genuinely don't think I'll look back and say oh I wish I'd seen Ronaldo play no, no. But just because I, I, I don't like it, him off the pitch. Yeah, I think lots of people will will have that sentiment. But mm. yeah, I, if I if I hadn't seen him play, I wouldn't I wouldn't have been disappointed. I think that's another reason. Like, I was excited with Copa America for the centenary, and like next year for Copa America, especially because Canada yeah. should be be in it. That's exciting because you're getting to see world class players that you don't get to see very often. Plus, there's also this little little thing called um, the World Cup in 2026. Yeah, I could be dead by then. But... It has a it has a giant logo with the two and a six. Yeah. Oh yeah, I have seen that. I wondered what that was about. 
didn't yeah. make any sense to me at all. Yeah. The, ob the, the obese numbers. Miami added 2 million followers to their social media overnight <laughs> after the announcing it. Basically doubled it, which kind of shows you the interest. Has the company sales will be through the roof. Has the company checked if they're real people? or they're... <laughs> <laughs> They've all got blue check marks. Um, but, I mean, it, it will get more eyes on the league. And I tell you who's going to be rubbing their hands the most is Apple. Oh, yeah. Because their subscription is going to go through the roof. You kind of wonder if they maybe knew he was coming and this is why they signed this 10-year deal, but yeah. that's just speculation well, this, on my part. Well, this has been in, in talks for a while, and you're, yeah. you're right. Um, it, it, uh, was it, it was, I can't remember if you and I was talking about this. This uh, There was an article or whatever that came out like a week, a week or two ago saying, oh, Apple's really happy with the MLS numbers. Yeah. But they didn't, they didn't actually give the actual numbers. No, and now you can get it for half price. There's a deal on it at the moment. Oh, for half price, there mm -hmm. you go. And, well, I guess it is technically halfway through the season. Oh, yeah. yeah. To get, uh, what is it? What was it tonight? Was it Nigel Rio Coker and, and uh, oh, a guy, two guys I've met before, Nigel Rio Coker and Kalen Carr. <laughs> oh, quality. I mean, it's worth worth every penny, that. Uh, you can just imagine it's going to be wall-to-wall -wall messy stuff, though, when he signs. And oh, I don't know if they'll have open locker rooms for <laughs> Messi. Or if I will get to ask him, finally, the chocolate digestive question. That's all I want to do. I don't care what else I ask him. Yeah. Lionel, what's your favourite biscuit? There's a couple of things on there. There's a bonus video, Messi to Miami. There's a Spanish-speaking one called The Messi Effect. Uh, there's a thing uh, it's called Profile Miami. is on their links now. Twelman on Messi. Reacting to Messi with players around the league. That's just on the Apple TV, like, little clip Well, thing. John Herdman was asked about it at his Canadian conference call. Which is awkward. Yeah. I know. I couldn't get to ask a question, but someone got to ask one about Messi. Yeah. Um, he, he, did he tell them that? Did He, he should have responded like, yeah, he's going to help Miami win the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Vanny, after the... The game, of course, on Wednesday made mention of Messi. The other thing is, I was going to try and do this in an Italian accent, maybe I won't. The no. other thing is how happy we played for 80 minutes. I think the headline today would be, okay, Messi is coming, but the Whitecaps play even better than Messi. <laughs> how much of the champagne had he had at that point? Quite, quite a bit, yeah. Quite a bit, yeah. It, it had been flowing. But yeah, I, I think it's, it's good that he's coming. It would be great to see him in Vancouver. First game of the season. The turf monster kicks in. He's out for the rest of the season. Yeah, that, that is one of the, locally, obviously, that is one of the things people have been talking about, right? Like, yeah, well, he's coming to MLS, but if he actually plays Vancouver, he, would he actually play here or would he pull a Thierry Henry? Yeah. I, I don't fault Thierry Henry for doing that. No, he elongated his career even yeah. further. Like the thing about that, we'll just finish up on this, is I have seen a lot of that talk. It's like, oh, they need to get a... This was something that pissed me off, though. It's like the Whitecaps win the Voyagers Cup. Yeah. And a lot of the forums and Facebook and stuff, all the chat was, oh, the Whitecaps, they need to get a grass pitching, or why can't we sign big-name players and stuff? It's like, we've just won a trophy. That yeah. should be your main talking point, for one thing. But to, to address that... We're not going to get quality top players here 
if we don't have a grass pitch. It's as simple as that. Yeah. You will get some, but it's just players do not want to play in that. Should they have a grass pitch? I would love to see it, but we know logistically with all the trade shows and stuff, unless it's a pitch they can wheel in and out, which in itself is not always ideal. And we saw the disaster with laying a grass pitch at Empire with the Man City friendly mm-hmm. when it rained. I was just thinking about that today when Man City had won the Cups. Like, oh yeah, we played them. Yeah. That was a disaster. Well, um, Cam- first that was great, man. Gersh yeah. was great. Camilo scored. I forget who got injured. Oh, someone. Someone, someone got injured because of the pitch. Oh, man. All I remember is Gersh and Kobe spent the second half just hanging out. Oh, I remember is after the game, I was the only one that went to the Whitecaps locker room for interviews because everyone else went to the Man City one and none of the Man City players stopped to talk to any media. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's hilarious. Then they all trooped back to the Whitecaps one and they're all gone. But yeah, I mean, that that is just the reality of it and it might mean a player like Messi might not come and play here because he doesn't want to play in the turf. But ah, it is what it is. Uh, let us know. Are you excited that Messi's coming? Would the Whitecaps open up the whole stadium for that? I I think they would. You'd clearly sell it out. The danger is, of course, you market it that he's coming and then you sell it out and then he doesn't turn up. Or he gets injured. So, I mean, it would have to be in his contract that he's not going to skip any games. But, yeah, I don't know. I was going to say it's a long way away. It's not a long way away from him coming to MLS if it looks like he is coming this summer. So, unless the Whitecaps play Miami in the MLS Cup... We might have to wait till next year. Or, I like Zach's idea, let's finally host the All-Star game. When I asked Garber about it, he said it's there whenever we want it. Yeah, and this would be a reason I why think this might be when we want it. I'll ask Axel this next time I speak to him. Yeah. Anyway, that is it for the MLS chat. We've one more part to go. We're going to be talking about Canada and the national teams. And we'll be back with that after this. This is Atiba Hutchinson and you're listening to the AFTN Show. Everywhere I turn, I see nothing but murder and rape. Nobody works, cause if they sit and sulk enough, they'll get paid. I think it's safe to say we're done with the days when life was simpler. We laughed at Mother Nature as we denied and crippled her. Hates the mistress, we doubled down on them, tripled her. The search for answers left us with more questions than their riddler. How's about you riddle me this, kids? If this is the most advanced that we've ever been, why is it this pish? Everything's a simulated, parodied version of his former self. And those who made it happen can rot in hell. Praise the machines, practice the ways of the beast. Or you can perish in the parish as you pray with the priest. To say the least, it isn't fair. Nothing left but despair, don't even get the butterflies anymore. Bye bye butterflies, bye bye my youth I lost my optimism, all that's left is the truth We used to have memories, now we've got proof It's enough to cry Bye bye butterflies, bye bye butterflies Bye bye my youth I lost my optimism, all that's left is the truth We used to have memories, now we've got proof It's enough to cry Bye bye butterflies Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part 
It's the new song from Glasgow rapper Mog. His 10th album is coming out in 10 weeks' time. A new track is going to be released every week in the run-up to the album. That is the first of them to be released. It is an absolute belter. Bye Bye Butterflies. Absolutely fantastic lyrics in that, Zach. Just talking about you used to have memories, but now you have proof, which I take to be... When you're a child, our age, you didn't have your mobile phone, so nothing was captured the way it is today where everything's captured on social media, but you had your memories. And it's like all the technology nowadays makes things simpler, but yet in many ways life is tougher than it was years ago. Can deep, Michael. Yeah. Fantastic song there by Mog. Bye Bye Butterflies. We'll be playing... I don't know, maybe I'll play all 10 of the songs as they come out. Maybe I'll keep it for him being Artist of the Month when the album is released. Check it out. Production by Word SOS, our friend of the show as well. Go check out Mog's other stuff as well, as well as Words, of course, that we've played regularly in the show. Absolutely fantastic rappers out of Scotland. Keeping the international theme going, we're going to talk Canada now and international because the squad for the Nations League Games was announced this week, Zach. The Gold Cup one, I think, is going to look a fair bit different. This is a very strong squad. Panama is the first game coming up on Thursday in the semi-finals in Las Vegas. Canada win that. They'll play Mexico or the US in the final. But what did you make of the squad? We had the extra podcast out during the week. Where we had yeah, the with the Herdman. From, from Herdman. He's gone very strong for this. I don't think there's really... I was going to say, I don't think there's any surprise. I think maybe some surprises in that it is so strong. 19 players from the World Cup squad in the the 23-man squad. Yeah. uh, Yeah, I wasn't that that surprised at at anyone. Um, Spoonie's back in, right? Yes. Listed as St. Johnston, but he has been released by the club. All right. Naturally, uh, I want him to come to Vancouver. Don't think that's going to happen. Um, yeah, I hope to get Spoonie as well as an interview on the show. I've been wanting to get him on for ages. And then I'd spoken to St. Johnson. They said, yes, you're getting, let us know when. Then he got injured and then they wouldn't let me speak to him. Um, he does follow me on Twitter. I, I keep thinking I should just DM him and go, hey. <laughs> but I don't really like doing that. I like to go through the clubs. But now he doesn't have a club. I might just, mm-hmm. I just DM him. But no, I do want to speak to him just about... The rise of St. Johnston, winning the Cups with them, the Canadian aspect, the World Cup, and what he's looking to do for, for the future now. But yeah, I was, I was happy to see Spoonie in. And Herdman's made it clear he wants to lift two Cups this summer. He fully believes they can win the Nations League, and he fully believes they can win the Gold Cup. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be amazing? It, I mean, it would. I mean, we, we spoke about like the Whitecaps last championship league championship 2008 the last championship Canada's won is 2000 23 years yeah I mean that and that was I wasn't even following was, the team then because I had no thoughts of coming to Canada at that point I hadn't met Caitlin by that point that was so memorable um even though I think I watched it like I was I think I watched it on soccer Saturday or whatever it was back in the day um, I, I'm really, I mean, I'm really excited about just, I mean, we talked about, you know, who's Tom McGill, but, um, I, I'm really excited that Scott Kennedy's back in the team. Mm. Got, got to hang out with his parents. Yeah, that, that, that was gutting. Yeah. He, um, 
I feel for him too because he plays for an, a side that, if memory corrects me, got relegated this year from the second Bundesliga. He plays for Jans Regensburg, which I believe went down. Oh, he'll be one of the players Herdman was talking about. Don't like yeah. the players being part of that. Yeah, he definitely is. But he also didn't get, I, I don't know if it's because of the injury or whatever, or I can't remember if it was a coaching change or what, but like he didn't get used, I don't think, as much uh, or much as you would hope or, or like or whatever. So I really hope that he can find a new situation. I don't think, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think playing in Bundesliga 3 would be great for him or for his ability to continue to, to stay with the, you know, at a, no. at a, at a, at a, at a you know, a, a, a first or 1B or, or a second choice with the national team. So I hope he can find a home because he is, He's a player with really great pace for a center back, and he's left-footed, and he's got a lot going for him. And so I hope he can kind of, kind of move the move up, uh, move, move somewhere where he can pull, both play and play at a good level. Vancouver, uh, Vancouver. I want a center back here. I'd love him yeah. here. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he could be a fit here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, oh, talking uh, of Vancouver center backs, so Derek Cornelius. Yes. Had to pull out because of injury. And Moises Bombito. He's, he's been playing really good for Malmo this year, from my understanding. Yeah. Bombito win. Because it's like, I know what, when, I, when I think I want to have a top quality defender to replace my guy I've lost, I'm going to turn to Colorado Rapids. Yeah, uh, I, was, I, was, I was surprised. Were you not surprised at this? Yeah. Again, I think it's more to have him involved with the squad and probably playing, but why not Joel Wartman? Why not? Yeah. No, Joel, yeah. would, I would have, I think I would have preferred that. Happy to use the tours in this, this side again. Yeah. The guy who's pushed on from the CPL mm-hmm. with your buddy Latoury. Um, so, yeah, uh, he, and he's, uh, I think, from the reports and stuff I've read, done really uh, quite well in Poland. And so, yeah, ha- happy for him. Uh, when you look at the squad, you're like, oh, you remember all these things that people have achieved this year and stuff they've done, or yeah, trophies, been, trophies they've won. Like, well, you know, something John I, was asked, it's like you, you've had so much silverware from the Canadians, so yeah. it's it's breeding that winning mentality, totally, and that yeah. is important. Yeah, and it's something we've not had before, because yeah, yeah, they may have lifted. I know I've just been waxing lyrical for two parts about the Voyagers Cup. But like folk that's played for the Canadian MLS teams have maybe won Voyagers Cups and that's it. That's not quite the same as what these guys have gone and won well, over in Europe. Well, like Luchi Lurie and Osorio, for sure, they won the MLS Cup, right? Well, yeah. I'm, I'm just talking about just in general. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, one of the, the things, I wanted to get your thoughts on this because it ties in with something else as well from this week. In, in the Herdman presser, he kind of... I was going to say he he let slip. He didn't let slip. He wanted to get this out there. Panama, the US, and Mexico are already mm-hmm. in camp for oh, this yeah, Nations yeah. League. They've got friendlies lined up. Canada, because of the budget restrictions, which was what John mentioned, are only having a four day preparation for this Panama game. And I think. We don't need to go into all the the budget things that were discussed in Parliament this year, but it, it's shocking. And as I said on the extra podcast, y- you've got a team that's on the the cusp of doing special things and winning championships that haven't been won for over two decades, and you're not giving them what they need. You're not setting them up for success. Yeah, 
I know, I know it's a Women's yeah. World Cup year, so that takes up a lot of the budget as well, but you yeah. have to find the money. I know, I know this is going to touch on what you, or something else you want to talk about, but... Well, yeah, we'll just what, get into what, it now. <laughs> what would be better? What would be better? Uh, more t- time for camps or... or or you know, two two more coaches with uh, certain levels of profiles that I'm sure are not cheap. Yes, <laughs> because two new assistants announced this week: Phil Neville, not out of work for long, and Richard Shaw. John's quote: "Both Phil and Richard bring with them winning experiences at the highest levels, and have worked with some of the Premier League's top managers during their careers." Didn't say they've been top managers during their careers. It'd been a stretch for Phil Neville. Um, They'll Mm. work as positional and unit coaches with the aim of helping us to win our first trophy in over two decades. Now, this was announced after his conference call, which I also thought was interesting because they clearly did not want questions on that about, you've just said there's no budget, but you've just added two new coaches. Yeah. Not a good look. It's unfortunate because... Like we've talked about before, a big part of this conversation around all this stuff is um, communication slash transparency. And so it, I think it's okay for John to express concern over a, a smaller camp than the teams you're going to be competing against. I think that's valid, as, as we've heard, I think, in some ways from Bev and obviously the, the women's players. Um, but yeah, you... you you can't say, "Hey, we we needed more money for more time." And this, and by the way, say we're we're bringing in two new coaches. And and when you bring in someone like Phil Neville, who you know most people in the footballing world know, you, you, there's an there's at least an assumption, which might be dead wrong, that a Phil Neville is not going to be like a cheap assistant coach or a cheap, you know, like yeah. whatever. Like he's not. And he, he does have international experience, to be fair, on the yeah, yeah. the women's side. Yeah, he does. He yeah, totally. Which obviously, I wonder. I wonder. Uh, if John John knows him a bit from that, did yeah, they bring tournament so, yeah. stuff together? Yeah, because John well, was also linked with the the job, the lioness's job. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, but so the transparency, the communication around that is not good. And then, yeah, we won't get into it in detail now. But I, 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 I and I haven't read the social media <laughs> comments about this, but I, I can just imagine both the players, the coaches, the fans of the women's national team, just like freaking out over over the over yeah the, actually i haven't read that either it's, I, I, it's been I, such a busy week i i just I, I can only imagine how frustrating they must be mm-hmm. at their at their at what has been reported as limited ability to prepare in the best way possible and then be like oh yeah our men's team is getting these two new coaches as they go into these these two tournaments this summer it it, it all like again this is where you this is where there's a lack of Sorry, this is where it feels like there's a lack of strong leadership from the top, where someone is coming out and saying, "This is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. This is what it means for you, the overall picture of our of of the of the men's program or the women's program or both, or this is how they impact each other." But again, it does. I know for people who've been trying for tra- crying for transparency, holistically with the actual numbers. This will just make those people even more frustrated because it is. It just it does if. I'm, I'm not going to say it feels tone deaf because it kind of just feels, you know, par for the course, but it it doesn't help the situation at all. No. And I I know if, if money has been tight, 
finding money to do these camps is is going to be tough because you've got the gold cup coming up as well but they're two important tournaments yeah and to balance that i do i do also want to say and we don't know anything about this but we know in the one thing we do know is in the past john herdman has basically essentially done fundraising for his programs yeah gone to people to raise money i assume gray kerfoot was was yeah well he, he did say as well uh unless more money can come in yeah, so maybe this, maybe these these coaches are as a result of fundraising that John mm-hmm. has done. Maybe. Because right? you're going from this into the Gold Cup, and one of the questions I wanted to ask, if I got a chance to ask him, was what is the plan? Because there is a little bit of a gap. So from what I've learned, they're in Vegas, and then the Gold Cup camp is going to be in Toronto. So I don't know if he's keeping all the players together for that whole time. Or if their players are going to get told, okay, you've got four or five days off, but you're paying for that yourself. We're not keeping you around. I, yeah, I don't know how that's working. Well, because I think they would be required to give players a flight back to wherever, right? Yes. So it would make sense to then, say... Because hey, they're also not all going to be in the squad, because he basically said it'll be a player-by-player player discussion as to... Yeah. So you, the, think, you think they would say, if you're if they're in both squads, you'd say... Your flight from from the CSA from here is to Toronto. We can arrange it in this time frame. You have days off, whatever, but you need to be in Toronto by this time. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll book your flight or whatever. But for those who are leaving, then yeah, I guess they would be. You know, they fly them wherever. Yeah, I think a lot of the European guys will go back because they they're gonna not want to jeopardize their preseason with the European teams. And yeah. it's been such a long bloody season for them anyway. I mean, the fact that you. You're looking, it's June 10th and you're just having the Champions League final. I mean, that's just nuts. Yeah, but that that's, I think... I know also, it's because it's the World Cup year, yeah, but it's like, yeah, yeah. that's just what's nuts about it. Yeah. And then you're going from that now straight into international competition. Which is normal at the end of a season. Yeah. But you would but maybe again, have had... everything's later. Yeah. A, a, a bit more time in between. Uh, last thing just to mention internationally, did you catch any of the women's under-20 games? Uh, I just saw results. No, I didn't I didn't see any stuff. And, uh, I yeah. watched the semi-final with Mexico, where they were 1-0 up. We blew, yeah, we blew the lead, right? Yeah, and they yeah. blew the lead and they lost 2-1. So then they went into the third-place match against Costa Rica, and whoever won that went to the World Cup. So it was three all after extra three all after ninety minutes and then Canada scored twice in extra time, including the hundred and twenty first minute and one yeah. five three. So well done to the women's under twenty team. You're going off to the World Cup in twenty twenty four. Few white caps girls involved in that as well that I had the pleasure of calling their games last year in League One. So it's great to see the the progression of the likes of Geneva Hernandez Gray who was our first AFTN female player of the year in our awards last year. And Claire Logan as well and Iba Oching, they've all got such bright futures Future, ahead of them. Yeah. And it's, it's great to have watched them coming through. And mm-hmm. the crop of talent as well that's in the, the girls' elite team in League One just now as well is just fantastic. I said before, if you get a chance to go out and, and watch them, certainly do. That is pretty much it for the show, but of course we will finish by bringing you this week's Wavelength and I'm going to play a song in homage to my team, my big English team, West Ham. Won the Europa Conference League 
probably in the Europa League next year, unless they get banned by UEFA for the crowd violence at the stadium. That was something the commentator said during the game, that the throwing of the bottles could impact them being allowed into the Europa League next year. No, I don't think so. But I've had this song, I checked, I thought I'd played it before, but it turns out I haven't. It's from a band we've played many times before in Wavelength, Cockney Rejects, big West Ham fans. This is a song that they released in May 2016, when West Ham left their old stadium, Upton Park, for pastures new. I still miss Upton Park. This is their song, Goodbye, Upton Park.
Cockney Rejects there. Goodbye, Upton Park, from May 2016. I've got to say, I do miss Upton Park. Was there a couple of times mm. watching West Ham. It was a cracking little stadium. The old chicken run. The Just the surroundings to it. Getting out of it was a bit of a nightmare trying to get the tube and stuff. But there was a nice pie and mash place around the corner. Even took Caitlin to the pie and mash place where we were in London. Um, it, it was a great stadium. They, they tore it down, right? Yeah, it's houses and stuff now. It, it's got those things. It's like things are named after players, like the streets and Bobby Moore. Yeah, the nice statue of him outside, and um, yeah, Fat Frank. Yeah, they, they, they didn't name the the jewelry store after Bobby Moore though. But that's a whole other story. I think we played Bobby Moore as innocent. If not, I'll play that in a future wavelength. There you go. Anyway, that is it for the AFTN Soccer Show. A bumper one that I said to Jack, to Jack, I don't know who Jack is, but I said to Zach as well, but I said to Zach, it's currently 1.24. No, it's 1.34 in the morning. So if, yeah. if I'm stumbling over words, this is why. But I said to, to Jack and Zach that, oh, it was going to be a five-part show. I've cut it down to four, and I've already done one of the parts, so it'll be really short. And then... It's been longer than I planned with the five parts and the part I'd recorded, I said, oh, let's just redo this anyway. <laughs> Little insight into our world here at AFTN. Yeah. But, Zach, you, you had a nice birthday treat for your, your wife tonight. Yeah, we well, we had a we had a family meal at a place my wife likes to go occasionally. Hey! And it was, yeah, no, it was oh, good. Oh, we were talking about the restaurant? Yeah, we're... Oh, uh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And uh, no, yeah, just a yeah, good, good, good time with the family. Good, good today was a good family day, and a day it was a. This was a long week for me, like four, four nights I had to work at I'd be at the office, and yeah, there was lots of stuff going on. But uh, yeah, so I, today I didn't have to wake up for any early morning football, so I literally like slept in until like the Champions League. Which was I nice. I tried to, but then I woke up at seven forty-five. There's very loud crows. Outside our window at the moment. I think we had our window closed because, yeah, the birds are, have been very loud this mm. spring in our backyard because we're right on a, a little bit of forest, right? Uh, yeah, and, any final thoughts? Anything fun uh, caught your eye this week? I am going <laughs> to, because the episode isn't long enough, I'm going to have two final thoughts and they're not super short, or one of them is maybe not super short. All right, I'll just get I, a sleeping bag out. I just, I, I just, obviously, we're recording this, uh, well, Saturday night, Sunday morning. So the Vancouver FC game hasn't taken place yet. No, uh, it's unfortunate wait, wait. shipping seven goals. <laughs> oh, hopefully not. Uh, but no, it's been a good weekend in the CPL, Michael. You know why? Pacific beat Forge. No draws so far. Oh, yeah. Uh, York with the Friday night win, 2-1 over uh, Atletico with a nice goal from your buddy, Zach Verhoeven. If you, like, mm -hmm. you haven't seen it, you go check it out. Yes. Uh, Halifax 2-0 over Valor uh, at home. Yeah, I haven't seen any Wanderers. of that. I watched the and Pacific I, game today. I think Watson got bo both goals and one was a back heel. And then, yeah. Uh, well, it wasn't a classic. <laughs> no, yeah. The, the, the Halifax Pacific, yeah, wasn't a... Or, sorry. The Forge uh, Pacific wasn't a classic, but... Really good for, like, really great for Pacific. Oh, uh, yeah. That, you, you that, talking that, of you, goalkeeper howlers. I know. So I, oh, I, I never saying, mentioned Thomas Asal getting sent off for WFC too. I oh, meant to mention that. And, and that it was, was unfortunate. That, you sent me the video. That was a legit sending out. Oh, yeah. But no, uh, Tristan Henry, who I've both criticized and lauded on the podcast, 
uh, him and I can't remember if it was James or who it was, but with an absolute howler to give Daniels like a gifted Daniels the only goal in that game, but really huge for James Merriman a day after his birthday. Happy belated birthday to James um, with the uh, with the uh, huge road win for them. Yeah. And then the other thing I just wanted to give a shout out because talking about football and a little bit local stuff because uh, no more Bundesliga to watch. Um, I recorded all the stuff on TSN today. So I watched the um, NWSL and uh, it was the OL rain hosting the shoot. I can't remember who they're hosting, (laughs) but it was, I'll tell you right now. I got it right here. The, the rain were hosting. Oh, Oh, the KC current. That's it. KC, Kansas city. Um, And so just shout out to that. Uh, You know, TSN is putting on, is it once a week? I think is it every weekend? Yeah. Yeah, so I haven't caught any of the other ones, but it was it was fun to just watch. Um, uh, it was a two two one win for the rain, and uh, the match winner was scored by uh, our our one of our favorite local players, uh, Jordan Hoytema, on a on a oh. on a header. So good for her getting getting uh, into form for the World Cup. She's the apparently the team's leading scorer set on the broadcast with four goals. So uh, hopefully that puts her in good stead to you know pick up. Uh, you know, continue to pick up the mantle from Christine Sinclair, and obviously, uh, maybe contribute more with you know the absence uh, absence of Jeannie Becky. Um, yeah, it was it was fun. No, to, that's, it was fun, that's, it was fun I'm to watch her for play. her because she had yeah. a bit of a tough time at the end there over in Europe. So hopefully, this will kind of reignite her. And yeah, yeah. And you can find me on Twitter occasionally tweeting at Zachary M. World Cup not too far away either. I know Har's uh, got her visa approved now, so she's excited. So. She'll be heading off to that. We'll see if we can get her to do us any little reports from down there to send in. Last thing I'll mention, um, just we talked about football strips earlier. So East Fife had a special 120th anniversary football strip coming out uh, this August, September. So they've done a deal. Um, I, I bought the special presentation box. It comes with a scarf. It was £100. So you could get your name on the strip in the in our stripes we've gone to our wow. black and gold stripes um so I paid for that it was it was great the demand was so big that the company joma have said we can't meet your demand of over 400 strips so they've managed to go with Eria, the italian company yeah so they're going to do it and it looks a nicer strip as well but it's like who'd have thought the demand for East Five strips would make a company like Joma say, "Oh, we can't meet that." Joma is like a significant, if I remember correctly, Spanish football yeah. manufacturer. It's because it's they... bespoke. They just said, "Oh no, this is way too much for us to take on." That seems crazy. Yeah. Hmm. So uh, Joma is your actual kit sponsor. Yes, that's or, who we've or, got or, just now. Yeah, but not anymore. Yeah. It's Aria. We've never had an Aria strip. So Aria is gonna actually do your, the like not just the special one, the actual club kit for the year. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Cool. I'll, I'll show it to Vanny and go. Look, I've got something Italian. <laughs> and it's gold. Yes. It's not Fiorentina. Though. Well, so when um, that arrived, that arrives October. Yeah. Sorry. They also bizarrely now it's going to arrive earlier than the other one was going to think. Hmm, I cool. don't don't quite understand this. I, I, I look, think something weird's happened there, but I, I look forward to seeing you wear that. Yeah, I I look forward to. It. I hope also hope my Dulwich Hamlet strip turns up in the mailbox on Monday, and I don't yeah. have to try because it had sold out, and they just got some extra ones back, and I was like, oh, I was right in because I was on the wait list in case they came back in stock. 
So if they, if I lose out again, I've been wanting a Dulwich Hamlet strip for ages, and now because this one was sponsored with a record company, it ties in with my musical theme. I was yeah. like, yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, that is it for this show. Thank you for bearing with us for our usual nonsense. We'll be back with another show soon, and no Whitecaps games to talk about, so I'll get a chance to get some of my interviews done that I like to do when we have a little bit of a break. Who knows who with? But we'll be talking about Canada in the next show and whatever else takes our fancy. Anything you want us to talk about, get in touch. AFT in Canada on Twitter, AFT in Canada at hotmail.com. Until next time, as always, thanks for listening. Take care and mourn their caps. Back to back, baby. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Mm-hmm.